Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> I sense a disturbance in the force. You always sense a disturbance in the force. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! It's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Help me! Our two! This is where the fun begins. And now. Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Hello and welcome back to episode, oh my god, 205 of Two True Freaks. It's Star Wars Monthly Monday number 33. I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? My co-host. And geez, we haven't recorded a podcast in, in a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It has I think it's been a been while. Like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's that time of year. You know, it's just uh, this is peak season for for what I do, and so it's been keeping me mighty busy. But when it comes to the big shows like your Star Wars and your Star Trek, I just can't stay away. So yeah. I'm going to squeeze in the time wherever I can find it to to get these done. Yeah, well, you got to edit these puppies too. So, oh god, <laughs> I know yes. you're going to show up to record. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, this one's this one's going to be a bit of a rush job. So, yeah, well, you know what? That that said, I'll I'll offer the I'll offer up the same apology that I offered up back in Comics Monthly Monday. That if you uh, if you the listeners happen to notice a uh, a noticeable decrease in uh the bells and whistles for this particular episode as far as scoring and goofy sound effects and that sort of thing i apologize but yeah i will be under a bit of a time pinch to get this one uh in the can so that's what you said about the la- <laughs> that's what you said about the last podcast and it still sounded pretty it's yeah it's it's i was happy with it yeah yeah we're we're, we're in shell shock for still from the 200th episode yes. and all the just insane editing for that that anything else seems kind of simple simple minded after that well you know it's one of those things where (laughs) you know every once in a while i know we've gotten this question about you know you know do you guys you know ever see yourselves getting burned out or do you ever see a day where you're like you know, well, I think Not I've had enough. Man. No, you know, but then after after 200, it was definitely there was that period of like, 
man, do I need a vacation from podcasting for it even hurts. if it's <laughs> yeah, man, <My> that brain. <laughs> oh, that was a tough one. It really was. It was a lot of fun, but holy cow, what a lot of work, man! It was. So, what do we, what do we got going on? I don't have a lot of Star Wars stuff, but I do have a little, I guess, housekeeping. Um, to, housekeeping. To we get si- housekeeping. <laughs> I went, and I will not say because I really don't know because it was all just a blur. How many hours it took? But there was this weird thing where Libsyn, who hosts our podcast, it switched over into a new version and just from a certain point in time we lost a lot of like the pictures that were posted along with our our uh our podcasts and uh i decided last night that i was gonna i had a little time on my hands and i was like you know i'm gonna go there and get those pictures back up you know and gussy it up and and you know i started doing that and i started thinking to myself ah you know i might as well get all the text all up to date and take out the stuff like the charity drives that were done two years ago and stuff like that and just sort of start cleaning it up and then i realized it was it was funny i was uh, i was hanging out on um uh not, it's a star wars podcast but i was on a star star trek forum site and i was trying to sort of you know subliminally promote our podcast and i thought you know it's if if there's just a Star Trek fan who is going to Two True Freaks and trying to to listen to the Star Trek podcast, it would be a little bit of work to track him down. You know, you'd have to just keep either working backwards through the schedule, or um, you know, go, just keep going back a month and grabbing each from each month. And and then what if you didn't figure out that all of a sudden it's it broke into a Next Generation episode? So I went and I added a whole bunch of categories, you know, one for Star Trek Monthly Monday, one for this show, Star Wars Monthly Monday, one for the media masochist, and put every show in their category. So now, it's what, we're almost three years into this, I just figured this out, you know. (laughs) But now you can go to our our, um, Libsyn page, and you can sort of look at it per show, and I believe... If you're only interested in Star Wars or, or or Star Trek, you can go and just subscribe to the feed of everything that comes up under that category. And I was throwing things like our movie commentaries on the Star Trek movies. I'd throw them under Star Trek Monthly Monday because I figure anybody who's, you know, listening to Star Trek Monday, Monday Monthly Monday is going to do that. And then we just have a sort of general podcast category which is all the other shows, all our shows that just sort of fall into that two true freaks, vague, you know, our Tron show, the video game show, the right. soundtrack show, the Spielberg show. So hopefully it'll make it a little easier to navigate the two true freaks uh, site. And I'm thinking even for some of our hardcore listeners and longtime listeners, you know, they might find some stuff that they actually missed, you know, along along the course of time or when they started, you know, a lot of people started on one podcast and then worked into all our other ones. Right. So uh, 
you know, they, they, they might have missed something, you know, that we've done before. And I know that for a fact they have because people are like, you should do a show about this. And a few times we've been able to be like, well, actually we have. <laughs> here it is. So, yeah, if, uh, go check it out and uh, and tell us what you think. Tell us if it's more more navigable or if it's the same or if you don't care or if you never... Uh, <laughs> been there before never care to or whatever you want to say just but, remember uh, all you folks out there that are only listening to say star wars monthly monday or star trek monthly monday or comics monthly monday or yeah, you're or missing everything details. yeah i mean every single episode that we put out is an automatic classic and a, and a pure gem just you know it, it, it's just it's candy it's just, for the ears so you really should be like, listening to every yeah. single episode Oh, another gold nugget. Wow. <laughs> Funny that would that be is. a brown nugget. <laughs> it should be, but, you know, basically you just, you put yourself under a lot of stress and you get gold and diamonds. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I just did. Ah, so what else you got? That's about all I got. I don't have I can't think of anything. Star- well, the only thing Star Wars that's happened to me in the last couple of weeks is my roommates said, "You have to go down to um, the um, uh, pawn shop down the street, and I think they've got a Boba Fett mask in there." Except he's like, "But it's not the right color for Boba Fett. It's blue." And I'm like, "Oh, so it's probably a Jango Fett mask." And he goes, "But it has, you know, it's." There's something about it. It's beat up, and I'm thinking, okay, it's one of the prop replica. And I'm like, well, does it go? Would it? He's like, oh yeah, it'll fit completely over your head. So I, I went down there to check it out, and what I think it is is I think it's either a motocross helmet or a Power Rangers helmet <laughs> that someone sort of painted like Django Fett, and then cut you know the sort of cross patterned you know eye. And, you know, the cross piece over the eyes, you know, a la Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> but it ain't no real Mandalorian helmet. And the, the place is closed. I definitely want to go. If it's like $2, I'm going to get the thing because it will fit over your head. But <laughs> it's bizarre. It's, it's definitely a custom job. <laughs> and, you know, I'll probably, you know, I'll, 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 I'll probably find out that it was like actually a custom job from some actual comic character and it's really cool or something, but I have a, I have a feeling that's not the case. <laughs> but that's all I got, Star Wars. I hear you got some stuff. I do You've got some stuff. You've actually done some work, yeah. Speaking of Boba Fett, I finally got around to reading, um, I think this is the very latest or at least one of the very latest editions of uh, Star Wars Adventures, those little digest size books that uh, Dark Horse Comics has been putting out. Yeah, those are neat. They This one was really good. It's Boba Fett and the Ship of Fear was the name of it. And uh, I just finished it today, as a matter of fact. It was written by uh, Jeremy Barlow. The art on this is really, really nice. I like. I'm not even sure how to describe it exactly. It's it's a little, it's a little bit cartoony without being overly cartoony. But it's really nice. I really like the coloring in this. But I have no idea how to pronounce this artist's name. It's just one one word. It's uh, I'm gonna say Dashon, Dashoing. I'm not sure. It's D A X I O N D. I have no idea how you pronounce that. 
But uh, I enjoyed this a lot. It was a really good, it was a simple tale of Boba Fett is looking for this artifact and goes up against a couple of other bounty hunters while he's trying to find this this particular artifact and just kind of hit the trials and tribulations he's going through to try to, you know, come out alive from this this ship that he has to go into in order to recover this artifact. But uh, I really like it because it really, again, just demonstrates what a total badass that Boba Fett is in this story. There's one part where they get the drop on him and they stun him. And it's a really neat panel where it just shows him surrounded and one of the guys says, hit him. And then the next panel, you see the blue rings coming out, you know, from a stun shot. And then everything goes to black. Well, then the next page has Boba Fett. He's hanging upside down and he's been chained and like his hands are tied behind his back and he's chained up and he's hanging upside down and he starts to wake up and the guys are talking and one of them kicks him. He says, come on, tough guy, keep it together. You've kept us waiting long enough. And Boba Fett just says, you must be in a hurry to die then. And I was just like, that's totally badass. Here he is completely at their mercy, but still refuses to acknowledge it in any way, you know, just still making threats, even though at the moment there's no way he's a threat to these guys or seemingly anyway. But uh, it was, it was really, it was a lot of fun. My only minor quibble with it is I thought that Boba Fett was a little too uh, verbose in this story, Mm. but that's, it would be hard to pull it off otherwise because he is pretty much the only character in it, you know, other than the people that, you know, he's up against or outright killing, you know? So, you know, he has to kind of carry the story that way. But it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, nothing big, nothing grand. It doesn't add a whole lot to, you know, the Star Wars mythos or anything like that. It's not a quote-unquote important tale. But if you just want a good, fun, lighthearted adventure with Boba Fett, then that's totally... Well, that's what those digests are usually like. Yeah, yeah very much so. Just light, light adventurous fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of like like the Clone Wars cartoons at, Very, at, yeah. at, at their best, yeah. Very much so. You know what? Speaking of Clone Wars too, um, I just I, I happened to be walking through the living room uh, a day or two ago, and Scotty was watching TV, and uh, a, a, a commercial or whatever you want to call it, trailer or whatever came on TV for the next season of Clone Wars, and when it started. You know, Scotty was like, have you seen this? And evidently he'd already seen it. He's like, have you seen this? You know, it actually looks pretty good or whatever. And I I have to admit that after the last season, that I kind of, my interest in the Clone Wars series has kind of waned. You know, I just didn't. You're so fickle, man. It was was only a small part of it. Well, not a small part, but it was only part of that one season that, and I admit it was, I, I was going, what the hell is going, you know, why uh, is this it, bogging down in the Senate, you know? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, for me, it wasn't just one small part. I really felt like the this whole third season was pretty slow. I, I was, by the end of it, I was kind of like, I don't know, you know, I, it's, it's not like I hated it or anything. It was just one of those things where it's no longer a must watch for me. I, had, I actually found myself having to remind myself, oh, yeah, you know, you've got, you know, umpteen episodes of Clone Wars to catch up on because it just wasn't thrilling me like it had been in the earlier seasons. But then I saw this the trailer for this new season. I'm pretty fired up again. It looks like it's going to be some interesting stuff because a lot of it looks like it's going to take place on um, uh, Mon Calamari. 
So I'm oh. kind of interested in that. You know, there's a lot of underwater stuff, a lot of like Jedi's fighting with lightsabers underwater and stuff. So I'm, you know me, I'm always a sucker for a water planet. And, you know, you throw in the Mon Calamari and those squid head guys and all that, and I could totally be there for that. And I'm really, as much as I'm really kind of burned out on them continually bringing characters from the original trilogy into the prequel universe, I'm kind of curious if maybe we'll see a, uh, a younger Admiral Akbar, like maybe like Captain Akbar or something, you know? <laughs> I could be like a tadpole or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I could go for that. I, I could I could be down for that. Not not tadpole Akbar, but you know, a younger Akbar. So I don't know, we'll see. But it, it did look interesting and it definitely looked like the animation was was taking yet another uh step forward. You know, it looked like it was just even that much mm-hmm. more impressive than than it had been in previous seasons. But the big thing for me this month that I'm bringing to the table as far as new Star Wars, new for me anyway, was once again, uh, our new buddy, Andy Leland. He and his son, Michael, do the uh, Hey Kids Comics podcast. And uh, it's a great show. If you guys are not listening to it, you're, you're just cheating yourselves out of some good fun because uh, that's a really good show. Anyway, for the second time now, uh, Andy has, uh, has just taken it upon himself to hook me up with some great comics that I have literally wanted all of my collecting life. He sent me, now before, previously he sent me an issue of uh, the Marvel UK Star Wars Weekly. This time, he sent me four issues, and I was like, oh, he was geeking out so hard over these. So I got... Issue number 52 has a great cover on it. It's, a, it's actually a photo cover of Darth Vader. It just says the fury of Darth Vader on the cover. And uh, this is part of the uh, the wheel storyline. So this was really cool. It has a nice you know, extra pinup page. But I, what I really like about these, as well as the Star Wars comics and getting to see a lot of this great stuff in black and white, is, is the other stuff that they were throwing into Star Wars just to kind of pad out the book. There's a warlock story. Uh-huh. Uh, Micronauts by Michael Golden, some different sets. So really neat. And then uh, another issue, uh, number this was number 100. Issue 100 has a great um, classic. Uh, this is almost like from one of the trading cards or something. The cover on this, it's uh, Luke's X-Wing flying in front of the Death Star. Just a great, uh, great photo cover on that. And a story inside that I, I don't recognize, I think it's actually from annual number one, which we still have not covered yet. We haven't covered any of the annuals. We'll have to get to that eventually. But uh, again, some nice like uh, pinup pages and that sort of thing. And then is this the one? There was one of these. No, this looks like this pretty much is the whole issue is, yeah, the whole issue on this one is actually taken up with one Star Wars story, which I think, again, I, I believe this is the annual, the first annual. Really nice one here. Uh, nice cover. Uh, issue number one sixty six. It's a it's a painted cover, and this is a story that we just covered not long ago. It was uh, Luke Skywalker and the Water Bandits. So it was a story that we just recently did, and this one's neat because uh, in the backup, one of the things that it reprints in here is an issue of Rom Space Knight. So I thought that was pretty cool because I'm a Rom fan. So I thought that was neat. But the one that really thrilled me, the one I thought was just totally awesome is uh star wars weekly number 167 (laughs) 
It's actually got Indiana Jones on the cover of it. The only Star Wars that's on the cover at all, besides the logo, is down in the corner. There's a little tiny picture of R2-D2, and it says R2-D2 meets the Darker, which was another story we just covered not long ago. The rest of this is... Uh, You've got Indiana Jones, you've got skulls and things, you've got Nazis marching all over the cover. So inside, it re reprints that story about you know Chewie and the droids going up against the Darker. There's a couple of photos from The Empire Strikes Back. But then in the very back of the book, this is totally awesome. It's a black and white reprinting of the first issue of... The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones wow. by John Byrne. John Byrne. Seeing this in black and white is awe. It is awesome. This looks so cool in black and white because, you know, it's already a period piece set in the 30s, you know, with Indy and all that. It's in that rough John Byrne style that I like so much when he was doing Indiana Jones. And it just feels like an old, old comic. You know, because the, the, the condition on these is a little bit rough. And so it, it actually lends to the enjoyment of the book. Because it just feels like some really old comic from like the 30s or 40s. And I just, I geeked out over this so hard because it's really cool. And I haven't read that particular story in a long, long time. And it was, so it was just fun to sit down and read it in a completely different format than I've ever read it before because, you know, these these British comics are larger than American comics, so, you know, it's the art's that much bigger, and again, it's in black and white, and it was just a lot of fun to check this out. I really enjoyed it and, uh, and just uh, could not thank Andy enough for this. Although, why he felt the need to, uh, to take markers and, and try to color some of the panels was kind of beyond me. I didn't really understand why, why he had done that. No, I kid, I kid. He, he had warned me ahead of time when he was sending him. He was like, I'm sending you these. And he was all like all super apologetic. He was like, I found these comics and they're really cool. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, somebody colored it. And I was like, dude, you know, it's like. I, I don't care. It's like, I just want to see this stuff. So he was all apologizing. He's apologizing to you for giving you for something? Giving me something. Exactly. Exactly. So I really got to, it was so funny. You know, that's so very English, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I have. I actually have to apologize because I was bellyaching at Comics Monthly Monday over this because you got these and I was jealous, but you didn't want to say that what they were till <laughs> Star Wars Monthly Monday. Because I've got a bunch of those, too. But then again, I remember I lorded those. I got those cheap <laughs> on eBay and lorded those over you. And like, <laughs> well, I was actually but, um, gonna, that was actually my, my last thing for this opener segment was, you know, something that we did say it kind of jokingly during Comics Monthly Monday. But I'm going to put it out there as a as a real honest to goodness call this, to the listeners. This is where I was going with this. So before oh, you okay. say what I think you're going to say <laughs> right. is I actually got I actually got uh, I actually got some swag in the mail between then and now oh, awesome. from a listener. <laughs> Maybe I don't need to put the call out after all. Well, no, it was it was Luke Luke Jackanetti. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, that was just pity. You know? <laughs> it was just like, ah. And so what it was really, India. he sent me the novelization of Howard the Duck. Oh, cool. The who, ones that who, I don't have. That. Who wrote it? Yeah. H hang on a second. I'll tell you. It's, it's sitting right, right behind me on my wall of movie adaptations. Right on top of 
A Night of the Living Dead by John Russo and Land of the Giants by Murray Leinster and Battlestar Galactica by Glenn A. Larson and Robert Thurston. Howard the Duck by Ellis Weiner. Oh, he's that guy that just got in all that trouble and had to resign. Right. There's a picture of his of his schwanker on the back cover. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I hope if I, I love that I'm able to, to to put myself out there like that on the back cover, just to <laughs> you know add controversy. Which reminds me, this is something that you and I have to discuss sometime soon. Is more increasingly, I'm getting the itch to write some sort of two true freaks book of some form, whether it's like a guide to the Marvel you know, Star Wars comics or like the two true freaks guide to Star Trek or. You know, two true freaks, the the biography, whatever. I think it should be a guide to life and religion and how to (laughs) lead your entire existence is what I think it should be. Right, listeners? Right? I mean, am I crazy here? The the problem with that is that, and I I, I hate to put it this way because it seems like I'm 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 actually belittling our listeners, and I don't mean it that way, but. I'm just going to have to say it Whatever. like I mean it. They're going to have to show a little bit more damn initiative because you know, right now we've sold a grand total of what? Like three t-shirts. So, <laughs> you know, before I go through all the trouble and, and heartache and all that that it takes to write a, a, a book and then see it go to like the, you know, 50 Well, don't cents write it for them. them. Write it for you. Just like this podcast. Like this podcast. I do is it for them podcast. and they don't appreciate it at all. Oh, this is so... This is so you can hear your voice because this is you true. Love the sound of it. I do. And it's funny, you know, the new Skype is funny because it's sort of like Hal. And whereas, <laughs> but what I've got is I've got a screen now with <laughs> a thing that says Scott Gardner, but it's really a picture of Angar the Screamer. <laughs> And and now Skype like pulse. So all around him, it pulses. With the sound of your voice, like Hal in 2001. <laughs> so that's just very, it's just disconcerting, Skype. I don't know. I mean, I know Skype isn't behind it because they didn't anticipate you having Angar the, <laughs> the screamer as your, as your avatar. But goddamn, just keep that in mind, all you Skype users. You know, you, uh, when you're putting an avatar on there, think of how good it'll so- look. Pulsing with the sound of your voice, you know. I might change it to the red eye of Hal now, just mm-hmm. to really freak mm-hmm. you out. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. Although it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> that reminds me, I actually, uh, I ha- actually have something to send to uh, to Luke Jacanetti. So now it's a matter of, you know, I- I'm putting it out there publicly. So that means I've got to get off my lazy ass and actually get it sent because I've I've had it in the package ready to go for I don't know at least a week now. And like I say, I just I-, I like to say I'm busy and I just haven't found the time. But honestly, it's just I'm lazy and I hate going to the damn post office. Uh, the the post office sucks. I really can't, and especially our local one. I'm sorry. I just, I really don't like it at all. Because every time I go in there, it's like, I'm know, surrounded by great post offices. Really? Actually, oh, yeah, this is I, terrible. I love it. It's like they, you know, they're, they're constantly trying to, and I realize that 
you know, post offices are, are in real jeopardy right now. There was just yeah. a story on the news about how they're shutting down like 3,700 of them across the nation. I can oh, yeah. appreciate all that, but at the same rate, if there's one thing that makes me absolutely nuts when I go someplace, you know, like a business or something, is the add-on sale, you know? I mean, I realize that a lot of these people are forced to do it against their will, but at the same rate, there's just that smart-ass part of me that when the guy asked me, would you like fries or that, I always want to say the same thing. Did I ask for fries? It's like, don't try to sell me extra crap, you know? So every time I go to this local post office, it's it's like they do the entire spiel of services, you know? Do you know that we offer you know post office boxes for blah 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 blah? Do you need any stamps today? Wow. Would you like this to go you know this rate or that? And it's like God damn it, media rate, ring me up and let me to get the hell out of here. You know, it's it just makes me nuts because you can't. Well, you see, I, I can't ever seem to just run in there, mail my crap, and get out within like five minutes. It's always like, even if I'm the only person in line, it's like a twenty minute ordeal of having to stand there and listening, you know, to this entire spiel of all the services that they offer. Which I've never used any of them in my life and don't plan to, you know. But well, uh, the, the the funny thing is, is I know I bet I do so much ma- mailing that I know everybody at all the post offices within a five mile radius. Yeah, and I've been watching them get condensed down. Yeah, and they're but they're all really friendly, and they've all, and they're all really friendly with me. So like, but now when when I when I walk in, I plunk down my packages and I go. Here you go. We're sending them all as cheap as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing liquid, fragile, perishable, or potentially harmless or hazardous. <laughs> um, potentially harmless. Potentially <laughs> hazardous. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And uh, then I say no stamps or insurance or anything like that. So you're today. just you're it's, cutting them I off, cut right? Them. Yeah. Yeah, and they love it. They love it because they don't have to say it, and they have to. You can tell they have to say it, or it has to be communicated, right? Yes or no. So I, I, because I only have to say it once. Those poor goddamn people have to say it, <laughs> you know, eight thousand times a day. Oh, don't get me started on things that you have to say. Over and over and over all day long, because that's <laughs> that's yeah, a whole yeah, that's, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's the life of of a public transportation driver, you yeah, know. There you go. Well, yeah. Any anybody that works with the public, you know, right. you're you're pretty much, you know, you have to. You have to exactly. But man, we got. How do we get way on this? This crazy tangent. I had a point to this whole thing. Oh, anyway, but by putting it out there publicly, now that means that I'm, I've, I've got to go ahead and get this thing sent. So uh, look for that, uh, Luke. Hopefully it'll reach you long before this podcast ever even gets on the air. But in case it doesn't, then you've, you can feel free to email me and go, hey, uh, about that thing that you mentioned, I still ain't got it yet. But don't well, get overly excited because it's 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 just something I I, I thought you might like. Just a, just a little just a little trinket. A bobble. A bobble. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know he, he, he sent me a little note going, you know, I know it's not the greatest, you know, swag of all, but actually this is the kind of swag that I love, man. Especially, I love movie adaptation books, and this is one of the ones that I don't have, too. I would venture I've got guess quite a few the, of them. the book is probably pretty good, too, I, I would think. I've read, I've just opened it up and read a couple pages and it reminded me more of the comic than the 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 than the movie. It look it ha- seemed to have a little more edge to it. Although I doubt it has 
quite as much edge as you know as some of the comics did. Not that they were super edgy, but yeah. I wonder why Steve Gerber didn't write the book. It seems I like that would have been perfect for him. Was it would have yes yeah. at the time or something. Dunno. That's kind of no. That's a good point. Yeah. It's kind of strange. Well, what do you want to do now? You want to dive right into the books? Sure. I say. I say. I'd say maybe we do one or two of the books and then maybe we can take a break or something and that'll work and polish off a book or, or two. Let's see how we get let's see how we feel after this first book. Alright, let's go ahead and whip into this first one then. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Alright, so this is <clears throat> excuse me, this is Star Wars number 75. This is the September 1983 issue. Uh, now it is cover credited solely to Tom Palmer. I'd swear I detect at least a little bit of uh, of Ron Friends in there, but uh, every source I found on this said that this is uh, just Tom Palmer by himself. But anyway, what we've got here is we are looking at an extreme close-up of Princess Leia, and she's wearing uh, goggles and a breath mask because she is underwater, and reflected in her goggles is this uh, charging, savage-looking underwater breather guy with this big sword in his hand and a bald fist. So it's really cool. It's like her eyes are really big. She's in shock, you know, looking at this this figure, like, charging at her. It's really cool. It's very dynamic. And I like how he's entirely in red. You know, it's like... You know, there's no no black ink lines for him. He's entirely red. It's it's kind of neat. I always like this well, kind of thing. It's reminiscent of that cover where Luke was flying the Tie Fighter. Yeah, you're right. With the red with the red outline over it, and you're the right. Pariah cover. You're right. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. So let's see here. Credits on this one. We've got uh, Joe Duffy script plots. We've got Ron Friends layouts. Tom Palmer inks. Joe Regin letters. Glennis Ween colors. Louise Jones editor. Jim Shooter is editor in chief. And this one is entitled Title. All right. So just sort of a recap here. The story so far, we've got Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia are under the sea inside the submerged city of Pavilion on the water planet of Iskalon, which has just been hit by some sort of Imperial superweapon, which set off the dreaded Iskalon effect. As we begin the issue, the Iskalon effect is hitting Pavilion and shattering the protective dome. Water pours into the city as Luke shouts a warning and dives to protect Princess Leia from flying shards of glass and everything else that's coming loose. The room is flooding fast and our heroes are swept away by the currents as we are treated to scenes of the devastation wrought by the effect both on the surface and to the city below. 
Luke and Leia take temporary refuge in another room that is rapidly filling with water and try to figure out a way, or excuse me, try to figure a way out, rather, when suddenly they are out of time and air. The pair is in imminent danger of drowning when Luke spots Leia's air tank floating nearby. So sharing it, Luke and Leia are able to breathe and they try to swim through the destroyed city and make their way to the surface when they run across first the revived Kendall and then this uh, strange, sword-wheeling, savage-looking native. So Kendall flees from him, leaving Luke and Leia to face the savage alone. Elsewhere, Lando, Chewie, 3PO, and their water-breathing friend Moan are on final approach to the Imperial Fortress on Gamondar in the Millennium Falcon under false pretenses. Once there, Lando affects a disguise through the use of a cape and an eye patch of Drebel, a freelance trader, to try to ingratiate himself to Admiral Tower, head of the Imperial Garrison on Gamondar, while R2-D2 strikes off on his own to search for the missing droid that brought our band of heroes to this planet in the first place. Lando and Tower, they seem to work out a deal, but as soon as Lando and the others leave his presence, it's revealed to us, the readers, that Tower isn't fooled by any of this play-acting and was already tipped off to the whole scheme by the Imperial spy we were witness to last issue. Eventually, Lando and friends just happen to stumble across and catch up with the much-sought-after droid, uh, but that may not necessarily be a good thing, as at the mention of the name Luke Skywalker, the droid reacts very strangely. Back on Iskalon, the water-breathing uh, savage seemingly attacks Luke and Leia, uh, severing the tube to their air tank and forcing them to try to surface, but it is a long, long, long ascension in which they can only rise so fast or risk rupturing their lungs. They finally break the surface just in time, and as they gas, sputter, and eventually recover, they are witness to the devastation all around them caused once again by the evil empire. In the wreckage, they find poor Primer, leader of the dead fish people, and Primer's dead himself. And they come to the realization that they, as wanted fugitives, are likely the cause of this attack that has killed so many of these poor little fish guys. But then the savage reappears and tells them that no one is responsible but her, and he points directly at Moan's wife, Kendall. The savage, whom we finally learn is called Kiro, explains that he wasn't attacking them earlier, but trying to save them from Kendall. According to Kiro, she has betrayed her people and she is the cause of this disaster. Oh no, Leia says, and Kiro asks, what's wrong? Luke answers, she just sent five of our friends on a mission to Gamondar. And in the last panels of the issue, we see the Imperial garrison on Gamondar has four new prisoners, Lando Calrissian, C-3PO, Chewbacca, and Moan. Next issue, R2 stands alone. Just like the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> what? The cheese stands alone. Oh, okay. I kind of sort of remember that, I guess. That was a commercial or something, right? No, oh, it was a nursery rhyme. All right. Uh... <laughs> so what did you what did you think of uh Star Wars number seventy five? I thought some of the dialogue was a little iffy and sketchy and the art parts like the backgrounds and stuff seemed kind of rushed but it worked really well mm -hmm. with the colors on this and I ended up 
really, really digging the art in it. Yes. I think the art works really well. It's got like, if it was in black and white, it would be kind of really expressionistic, but the colors solidify like hallways and backgrounds and stuff. And it it just sort of recalls the Al Williamson sort of look in a way. And I just love the way that these two do the faces of all the Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in this one, Princess Leia just looks like Carrie Fisher. And not just like... The, the way her face is animated, it's the way Carrie Fisher... You know, the expressions she would have and stuff. It's, it's very nice. It, it works really well. The storyline isn't bad, but I ended up digging the art in this one more than, more than anything else. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. I, I think the art actually, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, I think makes this story. Because the story itself, it's okay. I, I like the Luke and Leia half of the story a whole lot. I like all the Iskalon stuff that's going on. Um, but unfortunately, a whole lot of the issue is taken up on Gamondar with with Lando and, and his goings-on. And I felt like that kind of drugged the issue down a little bit because I really well, didn't care about that part of the story very much at all. Well, that that this that little storyline of Lando going in disguise and going to look for this this lost rebel spy thing is it's it's been done a few times recently. You right. Know? So it's just sort of the same story again, you know, except this time they're they're with, you know, the the guy from Iskalon. Right. So yeah, so it's, you know, it's 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 another it's another okay, let's uh let's pretend to be. And there were just some elements of it like they were like, ah, this is a, you know, right at the very beginning, they're like this is a Millennium Falcon, you know, asking for permission to land. And it's like, really? The Millennium Falcon's a pretty well-known right. ship. And then they're like, well, it's a good thing we're doing this ruse of where you bought the ship, uh, Moan, and we're going to, you know, and you know now you're using it for this. And it's like, even so, if you bought the ship, the Empire would be very interested in where you got it from, how you right. got it. And there's nobody waiting for them what's, when they touch down. What's, yeah. what's, on the, what's in the ship's computers, you know, they'd right. want to check it out. They're not just going to take it at face value of like, oh, there's that ship we were looking for. Oh, somebody bought it from them. Oh, yeah, well, okay, it's somebody else's right. ship. <laughs> so... You know, but then it turns out that they were, yeah, being set up from the very beginning. But yeah, yeah, I just, I didn't, I did not buy that that excuse of why they could go there in the Millennium Falcon, you know, and and call it the Millennium Falcon, you know, just just because they're in the Millennium Falcon, it's a Carillion freighter. It's like being able to tell, you know, a uh, eighteen wheeler, you know, right, from another eighteen wheeler, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, it's just like, call it something else. <laughs> call it Carillion Freighter, you know, Tiderium, whatever. <laughs> you know, it, do, it, it doesn't matter. Rack Krispies, you know, because George Lucas <laughs> was eating Rice Krispies at the time and, and needed a new name. <laughs> yeah, but that, you, there were just some things like that. So it made me think maybe they were in a hurry on this this uh issue with the with the writing it because the writing and the art both seem to be rushed 
but the art really doesn't uh the art ended up coming out ahead for that and the writing maybe not so much but not to the point of where it was like oh this is bad you know right but uh see i don't i don't see where the art is is rushed did, did well you there's have... just there's not uh, like it's they they spent all their time <coughs> pardon me in the characters and stuff like that but if you <coughs> is this like every other one with no page numbers but if yeah. you'll notice a lot of times they'll they'll be um not as as much so on the water world but even even so stuff in the background is is kind of sketched out or sometimes there's no background at all it'll just be a character's head talking that's true and uh and they'll just sort of they'll just sort of do the rest with um there's there's one scene where they're first on Gammon Dyer and uh you know people are being walked by in in chains and stuff and if you look at the backgrounds the you know the the city and stuff everything's just sort of sketched out but the color gives it a good sense of depth you know right. it gives it a good sense of stuff being there and and I like that it lets your brain you know your imagination put together a lot of it and uh it, it may be a little sketchy, but you, you, I just I, I've just seen like Ron, Ron Frems and Palmer if, can be really detailed and and nice. And this one, you know, there's parts where it's really detailed, but it's like a close up of Princess Leia's face or something like that. You know, right? The scene where she and Luke surface and are climbing up on there, you know, is there. There was some time spent in that, you know, and. So they they picked the you know they chose their battles where they wanted to put a lot of detail into it and and it came out really good. It ends up having a really a lot of times with in especially in like science fictiony stuff, less stuff in the background gives you a chance to play around with the frames more and have more of a sense of movement and you know negative space and all that hippy dippy crap. <laughs> you know and and. And it works, and the, and 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 Star Wars has been doing that a lot lately. Doing the like, there's a shot of R two, you know. I mean, this has become a trope of R two. He comes and he plugs into the mainframe computer, but what they did for some reason they put him into two frames. He's just sitting there reading the computer, but they they split him in half with a frame down the middle, right? For some reason, and it's more for the balance of the number of frames or whatever. Well, no, actually, it does because if you wanted to balance it with the top, there's two frames at the top, and there's three frames at the bottom, one of which is like one of the two frames cut in half. So they're getting a little, little bit artsy fartsy, but it's not to the point of where I'm only noticing it now that we're going over it. You know, when I was reading it, I wasn't like, oh, artsy fartsy, you know. And, uh, you know, where Lando's uh, snuggling up to Tower, you know, I mean, they just put a black background in there and all that. I like it. Like I said, it's got that Al, it's got a very Al Williamson feel of composition to it, and it's very Star Wars-y. You know, I like the layout of Tower's little command center there. And uh, I like the whole little running gag of uh, R2 going on to work detail. Yeah. And everybody's like, where'd he come from? And nobody took credit, so the one guy's just like, oh, yeah, he's been with me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like that that little little touch. 
And it's funny because that guy has says that it does that that whole gag gets played out again in the next one, but then they realized, oh, we have to explain. We better explain that this guy is bullshitting because right. otherwise it's going to seem like like you, you know that's an actual story element to somebody just picking it up. But uh yeah, I I I totally enjoyed this episode. Issue sode. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Again, I it, it, it's the li- it's the simple things that I like about this one because I love Luke and Leia's matching outfits in this. And you know, again, this was well before we knew you know, their relation to each other and everything. But I like that. I, I like because they're very simple outfits. It's it's just a a sleeveless, skin tight black bodysuit and like a stormtrooper belt. And that's pretty much it. And it's just it's really cool looking. It's very dynamic, especially on Leia. She looks really well, good in, in an outfit well, like there that. There you go. Well, you know, but they're also it, it also looks very Star Warsy. It looks like it would work in, you know, in the movie. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it doesn't. It, it doesn't look 20th century, but it doesn't look. You, it's not like a space swimsuit, you know, with weird, roughly triangly things on it or something like that. Right. You yeah. Know, it's functional. Yeah. I was gonna say that. To do. Yeah. I was gonna say it, it must be kind of hard to swim with gloves on, but I guess it would be a whole lot easier than trying to swim in full Jedi robes, which is still one of those things with. Uh, with Phantom Menace that drives me a little bit nuts when they don't, you know, strip down to their tidy whities to swim down to. Well, I think they use some sort of force power to propel them through the water, more like, uh, like a watermelon seed or something, you know, they, they, yeah, but then who wants to walk around in not only wet underwear, but wet Jedi robes all day long. I mean, that would suck, wouldn't it? They use the force to to expel all the water off their robes too. <laughs> all right, if you say so. It's the force, man. It does it all, and and it, and it and it sanferizes them too when it does that, and and presses them and <laughs> and dry cleans them. It's better than Scotchgard, man. Exactly, the force is their Scotchgard. That ought to be a bumper sticker. The force. The force is my Scotchgard. Scotch yeah. Let's see. You got anything else on this one? No, not really. I, I, I pretty much said my piece. Of, as usual, Chewie looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Chewie yeah, I, and Leia I, are really the strong points of, and Luke is in a, is always drawn well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my big three are uh, are Luke, Leia, and uh, and I never had any quibbles with either Friends or Palmer's Chewbacca. Their Chewbacca always looks dead on to me in a way that yeah. sadly um Infantino's just really never For a did. lot of people any almost everybody who's who tried up to this some people got him pretty cl- I think Al Williamson was the closest at this point but this is where like he he looks like Chewy from this point on for the life of me, I can't remember what Cynthia Martin's Chewy looks like. I, I we'll just have to wait till we get there. But I can't remember if I liked her Chewy or Cynthia not. Cynthia really Martin's Chewy sometimes had like eyelashes, and had a more pliant face. You know, he would do a lot of like mushing his mouth up to one side and stuff. He was a little cuter, you know. Mm. But everybody was a little cuter in her. Star Wars so you know in the context of what the way of her just general look 
He right. fit, but he wasn't he wasn't a photorealistic Chewie, you know. But he wasn't a, a, a I I remember he was also seemed I seem to remember him being skinnier, you know what I mean, like a slight slighter looking. Right. A little more stylized. Huh, we'll find out soon enough. I got a few things here. Page one, Luke shouts a warning. He says, Leia, Kendall, look out. And it's like, wait a minute, Kendall's unconscious, remember? Yeah. <laughs> she was unconscious at the uh, at the end of the last issue. And it's funny because Luke even says that the same thing himself a couple of pages later. So I guess this is one of those things where, you know, it's it's that break between the two issues. Well, they wanted to make sure that everybody gets her name right out in the beginning. Right. So you know, exactly. so they're in Leia, and although you know, any of these situations, really, if you were in a room full of water and glass like that, it would be like being in a blender full of glass. Don't think you would do very well. Luke's using the force to keep the oh, glass. Oh, he's in the force, right? Shit. Okay, never mind. <laughs> See, that sword cuts both ways. Yeah. All right, bottom of page three, last panel. Uh, let's see. All right, they're they're in this room. Water's pouring in from all sides. Leia says, uh, the way that wreckage is buckling, we can't even get out into the open sea. And Luke says, just stay with me. Uh, if you get swept away again, we may never find each other. All right, well, the important word bubble is where she says, we can't even get out into the open sea. Turn the page, they're out in the open sea. <laughs> I could not help but notice that. Although, I've got to admit, <coughs> it kept tickling my brain. Page two, with all the panels of the water coming in, and then there's that page of Luke and Leia getting swept along and swept away to where they finally wind up in that one room. It kept tickling my brain that it reminded me of something, and I could not put my, my finger to it. And it finally hit me what it was, that in that last panel before they do get swept out to sea, that if all of a sudden the elevator had kicked in, and they'd gone up and, and found themselves in Box's ice cave, this would have been the coolest comic ever made. <laughs> I would have loved that. Uh, let's the see. Jedi from the sea. <laughs> and proteins. Uh, page six, which is uh, the page with the Millennium Falcon approaching the uh, Imperial Fortress. I have to admit that, that as much as I love the Friends Palmer team, I'm not crazy about that first panel. It looks very, very Infantino to me. And while I am a fan of the Infantino stuff, it's hard to go back now. You know, now that we're we're at the era where I, I really am. This is my favorite art-wise era of Star Wars comics. And I just looked at that and I said, ooh, they, they didn't do their best work on that one. Stormtroopers are a little sketchy. The one Stormtrooper, I call him the Joe Cool Stormtrooper in the <laughs> foreground. His yeah. mouth is a little smaller and it looks like he's wearing sunglasses. And he's just like, <laughs> it does. Yeah. He's got red shades. Yeah. <laughs> and I had the same note that you did. I, I just wrote down here, uh, wouldn't you think the Falcon would be on some sort of list of ships that the Imperials are looking for? Let's see, page 10. Which page is page 10? Damn, I wish they would number these stinking pages. Isn't that the one where Pirate Lando is yes. imagining Chewie and Han yep. running through the hallway? Yep. It's just that, that's, the, that's the exact panel I was going to comment on. It's just classic Han Solo. It's, it's right from the first Star Wars movie where, where Luke and, uh, yeah, Luke, where Han, rather, Han and Chewie are running down the hallway and Han's screaming to scare the stormtroopers. It, it's 
taken right from that. And it's just a that's a great panel. I love that. Well, it, it reminds me of like they're they're sort of sketched out because they're a memory, right? And the, it, it's almost like um, it's it's just sort of uh, the pencils. Mm-hmm. And it's got a little bit of like the cover on it of that sort of you know superimposed, right? And it, and yeah, it does. It looks really neat. I, I won't point out though that uh, Lando can't possibly remember that since he wasn't with them on that right. particular mission. Next, but page. that could be any Imperial thing that Han and Chewie have had to you know. That's true. That's storm through. True. Next page, page 11, second panel. This is one of my favorite panels of the entire book because there's so much cool stuff to comment on here. You've got an ion cannon way in the background. Uh-huh. You've got um, Moan, Lando, Chewie, and C-3PO looking very much like the Beatles walking across Abbey Road. Yeah. You've got uh, Eli Nutter in the foreground with his boot <laughs> lip and everything. Yeah. And then you've got the stormtrooper that really looks like a tear should be running down his helmet. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that. He looked he's sad stormtrooper. Well, this is this is a very panel that I mean, you know, look at look at how our heroes are drawn in the background. I mean, they are they are sketches, they are just blobs basically. Yep. But they work. You know which blob is three you could see which blob is everybody. And you know, the iron cannon, everything's very simple, but it it all, you know, it all comes together. There totally should be a land speeder sitting right there with a license plate that says 201 if. If. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. Uh, let's see what else I got. Jumping way ahead, page 17, The Ascension. I love this. Yes. This is a, it's, a, it's a page broken into eight panels. You've got four on the top, four on the bottom, and uh, the first four are... It's us looking down at Pavilion as Luke and Leia swim towards us, and and Leia's just thinking to herself, "I'm not going to make it. I'm not. Let me go. I'm not, I'm not going to make it. Don't don't kill yourself trying to save me." And then the bottom four panels, we're basically you know like Pavilion level, maybe a little bit higher underwater, looking up at the surface. So we're seeing what they're trying to get to. So it's great. It's just it's a beautiful way of showing what they're escaping from, and what they're trying to get to. And that one, again, is great because they start off very much in the foreground, very near us, the reader, and then as they get closer and closer to the surface, they're smaller and smaller. So you really get a feeling of just how far this goal is and, and you know, this sense of peril that they're, they're not going to be able to make it. It's just too far on one lungful of air, you know? I love that. It's that's a great, great page. I really like that. That's a that's part of reality there, but at the same time, um, they also could not have just gone into the deep ocean like that without just getting crushed. That's true. oh the force. That's right. Never mind. <laughs> no, that's very. It's something I hadn't even thought of. But you're right. At the at the very you least, have, you know, you have to. You, yeah, you have to things. adjust on the way down and on the way up. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, basically, yeah. When when if you just go out into the water, it's not like swim. You have, you know, tons and tons and tons of water on top of you. So yeah, I felt like I caught kind of a a, a minor error on page eighteen where uh, 
I'm not sure if it's Luke or Leia that says it, but one of the two of them says, uh, who would have set off the Iskalon effect like that? How do they know what it's called? Yeah, yeah. They should not have no idea you know, that this that this thing actually has a name. I thought that was kind of strange. I would think that they wouldn't even know what happened. They would have been like, what happened? All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. you know, all of a sudden they were, you know, they, they, but because they were concerned. That's a good point. With, You're right. They were concerned yeah. with saving um, Kendall's life. That is a, that is an excellent point. I had, it didn't even occur to me. How did they know it was an Imperial weapon to begin? How did they know it wasn't just some sort of seismic upheaval or something? They right, automatically right. assumed that it was an Imperial attack but was there any evidence of that? I don't think there was. From their, I, th- I, I don't think it. Hit, I don't think the missile actually hit them. I think the missile hit somewhere off in the distance and caused right a wave that that wow. hit them. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah, it never even occurred to me. But you're right. They were engaged in in that rescue mission to try to save Kendall. So they had no idea. So, yeah, that's actually a huge leap in logic right there that I, I didn't even catch that before. That's a, that's a good catch. Leap in logic. Leap in logic, Batman. Um, last couple things for this one. The introduction of Kiro. He may not seem like a big deal now, but believe me, he will be, become a big deal later. And I like Kiro. I like him a lot. And uh, I had kind of forgotten the, the nature of how he was introduced into uh, into the Star Wars universe. So this is kind of cool where at first he, he's almost like an adversary and he's kind of like, ooh, you know, what's his beef? But uh, he, he does become kind of a big deal character later. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. He's neat. And the last thing for this, it's not particularly Star Warsy, but it is in this issue. And I thought I'd point it out. I have always, always, always loved... This bullpen, uh, bullpen bulletins page by John Byrne. This really needs to be a t-shirt or a poster or both. This is where uh, Jim Shooter had been after John Byrne for a long time to uh, guest write one of his bullpen bulletins pages. And Byrne basically didn't know what to write about. So instead, he just drew a picture and it's himself at the drawing board, surrounded by pretty much every Marvel character you can think of. I mean, it's it's just cra- you've got everybody here. You've got Spider-Man and the Hulk and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and Alpha Flight, the X-Men. I mean, pretty much all the big guys, Power Man and Iron Fist. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. I have always Hercules. I would have loved to have seen a Hercules comic drawn by John Byrne. That would have been a riot. And written by John Byrne. That would be good. That would be really good. I'm trying to think of any times that he might have done. Well, I know that uh, Byrne was the artist for some of the issues of... um, Do you remember a, a Marvel book? This is going back... I'm not sure exactly what year. Maybe late 70s, early 80s. It was called uh, The Champions. Yeah. It was a superhero team. They they were out west like I don't and Hercules know, was in that, right? LA. Yeah, he was it was him, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Angel, I forget who else. That that was uh, some of the issues of that were drawn by Byrne. And uh, he didn't write it and I don't think it was like the jokey Hercules in that, but that's that's some good stuff if you like you know, if you'd ever want to see like Burns take on Hercules, the art in those were really good. I don't remember the stories being particularly good or memorable, but the art was always really good in that stuff. And that off the top of my head, that's the only, it's the only Hercules I can remember. Maybe, maybe he did in the Avengers, maybe 
because I know Byrne did runs of both the Avengers and West Coast Avengers. I can't remember if Hercules was in those or not. I, I, I honestly can't recall. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen him do like uh, you're talking like a solo type of thing. Yeah, like, like the miniseries, something yeah. something lighthearted and and fun. Hercules, yeah. Yeah, I would I would like to see something like that too because I think he could do a really good job with that stuff. Well, mm-hmm. plus I, I I'm I think possibly. I think possibly that Hercules may have guest starred in an issue or so of uh, of when Byrne was doing um, um, what you call it, uh, uh, Sensational She-Hulk. Although I may be uh-huh. confusing that with when Heracles was a character in his Wonder Woman run. I may be confusing the two. I'm not sure because they're, they're essentially the same character, just two different universes. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got on uh, on Star Wars seventy five. I dug it. Yes, and uh, all I've got is another note: is it was another crappy game on the back. Uh oh, which one is it? I, me... Tutankhamen. Tutankhamen. The home video game you've waited three thousand years for. Well, it better be pretty right. for three thousand years. I don't remember this game at all. I don't think I ever played that one. It doesn't look uh, it it doesn't was look familiar. It was terrible. It looks like uh, it looks like Pitfall meets Dig Dug or something like that. Yeah, no, that would be fun. <laughs> All I remember so. is it was <laughs> another one of those really frustratingly, you know, simple yet hard but not fun games that. That Parker Brothers was so fond of. Cool. But you I got... say we take a break. Oh, you want to take a break? Oh, you're going to take a break right in the middle of the story? Yeah, we can do that. Let's let's leave them on a cliffhanger. That's exactly what, yeah. We, that way we can cram our propaganda down their throat while they eagerly anticipate the end of... Shikail! Shikail! Yeah. All well, right. Yeah. That works for me. All right. We'll be back in a second. Hello there, lovely ladies. May I just say that you look quite beautiful in your matching Slave Leia metal bikinis? You have permission to come aboard my den of nerd erotica. Some people would call it my mom's garage. I call it 10.1 forward. Can I interest you in a death stick? Nope. I was just kidding. Have a shot of Tranya. Once you get loosened up, we can play a friendly game of Strip Fizzbin. Let me loosen that strap. Hey suckers, Maury Clawhammer here, okay? You want your freaking Star Wars? I got your Star Wars right here! What about the Star Trek? You like that shit too, right? Right? That's what I thought. Well, we got that and we got more freaking comics than you can read in your entire miserable goddamn life. Hey, there's even a girl who talks about unicorns and goddamn Harry Potter and M... 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 Them goddamn Oriental cartoons with the big eyes. So you get your ass over to the Two True Freaks podcast at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, all right? All right? Good. 
You can get there on the internet and choose from hundreds of quality Two True Freaks podcasts. And would it kill you to buy a goddamn t-shirt? Remember, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing! Badly! Yes, well, badly is purely subjective, but how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Ages Comics! Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 33. And next up is another comic from Chris Honeywell. Well, it's from Marvel, but I will be... <laughs> oh, I, I thought you wrote mess- through this one. See, mine's on... I'm just the messenger. The, a lot of the letters are backwards, so I thought that you did this one. Now, this is... The, this one, I, I once again, all I see is a P on the cover for Tom Palmer, but it's got a little round friends to it, too, just like the last one. It's sort of got the same sort of thing with a superimposed... What it, it, For all the world, it looks like... It looks like you're looking at the back of C-3PO mm-hmm. as a hologram talking mm-hmm. to Darth Vader, who's going, God damn it, 3PO, and he's going, What? What? I tried... <laughs> Well, two like imperial generals in the background going, "Oh Jesus!" I Christ. hope he's not okay. going to be on the damn hologram. All Vader's going to be on the rag for the rest of the month. <laughs> Doesn't it look like they're waiting to use the phone? That's how I always took it. Like they're looking like, "Jesus, <laughs> like, is he going to be on that thing all day?" You know, I got to call my mom. You know, I want to call home before she puts the kids to bed. For Christ's sake, <laughs> this guy's talking to his robot and shaking its fists. You know. But you you hit the nail on the head, dude. When I was a kid and this issue was on the stands calling my name, I totally thought that that was C-3PO. I think they set it up to be like that. Yep. And uh, so this is the October 1983, number 76 issue. One notable thing about, another notable thing about the cover is they did away with the Marvel Comics stripe across the top, thus giving you more art room on your cover <gasps> can you believe so, i did not have a note about that you're right yeah this, this is, is when the first one's changed oh my god they, they, they announced it in the last issue somewhere right, they were yeah. gonna start doing that they had like the thing yep on uh on the cover and they said they're gonna start reformatting their their cover so this is the first star wars one without the marvel stripe across the top of it and with a weird it's weird to just to see star wars surrounded by the color brown it just doesn't seem like a very star warsy color but yeah is that brown man i know i don't distinguish colors very well but that looks more like silver to me 
I'm looking at a CBR. This oh, is okay. one of the few that I don't have. This is, and uh, it looks brown on the CBR, but that could be the scan of it, you know. But uh, once again, this one is uh, the exact same uh, crew of uh, art and uh, and writing and lettering and colors. So you get your Joe Duffy, your Ron Friends, Tom Palmer, Jerry, Glennis Wanley, Joe's, and Jim Shooter. <laughs> So, you know, um, as Scott told you so so well in the last <laughs> issue, Lando, Chewie, 3PO, and Moon are captured on Gamondar. With, and uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Luke, Leia, and Kiro are mopping up the survivors on Iskalon and sort of fighting off hungry sea creatures and an, and an angry crowd led by Kendall, who's blaming the disaster on Luke and Leia. So, you know, this, this issue starts out with an awesome, very empire sort of beginning of Vader on his superstar destroyer. He finds out the tower's captured uh, some rebels, but he's kind of pissed off when he hears tower triggered the Iskalon effect. And then he's double pissed when he finds out that Luke was on Iskalon when he triggered the goddamn Iskalon effect. So, meanwhile, you know, Tower thinks he's, you know, he's going to be making big brownie points with Vader. And Vader is, you know, he's sort of washing his hands of Tower at this point. Meanwhile, R2 has been sort of ingratiating himself into the Imperial workforce and uh, getting himself a little bit, uh, you know, hot computer on computer access with the uh, Imperial mainframe computer. Tower, who's sort of gloating, goes down to uh, pick on the prisoners. You know, our buddy, you know, Luke or, or um, Lando and Chewie and 3PO and Moon. Moon. And he's just about to begin torturing Chewie when K3PX shows up with a bunch of troopers and uh, they, they tell him that he's got to go to the principal's office to see Darth Vader. <laughs> And Vader is not pleased. He basically, he uses the standard uh, um, Darth Vader method of removing Tower from uh, command, which is firing squad. And uh, so, and, uh, you know, decides he's going to go to Iskalon himself and, and solve this matter. So while this is all going on, that gives R2 a chance to uh, free Lando and the rest of the crew and sort of set up their escape by having the computer give clearance to the Falcon and sort of uh, set up um, barricades, you know, set up things to sort of cover their ass. So, um, of course, you know, the the Falcon escaping gives them the chance to get to Iskalon just in time to save Luke, Kiro, and Leia from uh, the uh, giant space water snake... uh, which, when it's once killed, it conveniently crushes Kendall, thus uh, pretty much putting and uh, squashing the re- the in. I don't know if it's an insurgence, but squashing the will of the crowd who were going after uh, Luke and Leia, since the fish people are sort of a group thinkers. You know, they were all sort of glommed in on Kendall's thoughts, and were you know were all you know sort of pissed at. I, I at, have. I have an issue with that when we when we get to the, we get to that yeah. So uh, 
by the end of this, Moan sort of takes a place as the leader of the fish school and basically kicks the rebels off the planet and, and says, don't come back until the Empire's gone. I don't want anything to do with either of you guys. And still, no sign of goddamn Tay Vanis, whoever the hell Tay Vanis is. The guy that they've been looking for through all these stories, which an entire world's just been genocided over. And still, no word from this guy. Is he even going to turn? I don't remember. Does he even turn up? Is he just a MacGuffin in, in all this, you know? Or is someday are they going to find him like in, um, oh, what, what was that movie? Apocalypse Now or Heart of Darkness, you know, where he's at the end of the river just like the horror. I'll, I'll issue a, a, a semi-spoiler alert. Um, and this is entirely going by my, you know, proven to be horrible memory. But <laughs> right, if your not- spotty, spotty memory. If I'm not mistaken, Tay Vanis and the other dude, whatever his name was, um, yeah, I think they turn out to be the uh, the um, Bothan spies that Mon Mothma referred to in Return of the Jedi, because by this time they they had a little bit of wiggle room where they could mesh up the last of these pre-Jedi yeah. stories with Jedi the movie because the movie had been out by this point. So I I don't know that we necessarily meet them, but I'm almost positive that that gets to be a reveal at some point, like like maybe in the last pre-Return of the Jedi issue that that's who they were, I think. Something like that. I, I, I'm almost positive of that, but not, not 100% positive. But those well, last think, two panels where he kicks them off the planet, don't you don't you just hear in your mind uh, uh, Tom Petty's uh, "Don't Come Around Here No More"? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. It probably was out around this time, wasn't it? Wasn't it, it was. Pri- it was probably around out about this time. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were early adopters of Tom Petty in those in those days. I, I remember loved his videos. Yeah, because we we were we were starting starting to watch him with that puberty love it's hard to find <laughs> the the road warrior wee, 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 wee. oh yeah 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 i know the one yeah i like that one actually i like the well i like the video i wasn't all that yeah the song but i like the video a lot because they had found all the old video games and everything that was cool well let me run on my notes with this one here all what right got first uh Again, love this cover. I really do. And it totally got me as a kid. I really did think that that was 3PO. And it was one of those, like, is 3PO ratting them out to Darth Vader? You know, I got to get this. I got to find out. You know, like I wasn't going to get it anyway, you know. Right, right. But uh, I love cover, you know, gimmicky covers like that. First page is just cool with uh, with Vader walking the decks of his Star Destroyer and all of his beautifully drawn Vader. It is. It's great. Great. I like... uh, the last panel on the third page where uh, where Vader just... You know, granted, it's a static helmet. It doesn't move. It doesn't change expression. But they still perfectly portrayed this image of Vader's furious. Yeah. You know, where he's going, it's, what? Luke Skywalker is on Iskalon? It's great. That's just... It's got a little bit of the, the, like, at the end of Jedi where his skull was lighting up from the Force lightning to it, you right. know? It's the, it's the reflection of the background of the ship, you know, the lights and stuff on the ship. But, yeah, it gives it... It, it, it gives that feeling of the reflection on his helmet, like, moving 
as if he was thrusting his face at you, just like, what? Yeah. Plus, he's also got the, like, fire lines coming, you know, the, like, anger yeah, red anger. lines coming out of the back of his head. But it's great. It's it's so, you know, polished and reflective like it was, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the latter two movies of the original trilogy. I, just, I love that panel. That's a really, really good Darth Vader right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, next page. Page four. Oh, I got a lot of stuff on this one. First panel on this got me to thinking I would love, and I know that this is, is going to wind up in one of the reprint collections. I really want to see this um, cleaned up and recolored because I love this part where they're, they're on the surface of Iskalon and there's all this wreckage and bodies and everything in the water. But that first panel looks more like a hillside than the surface of a, of an ocean or a sea. So, you know, I'd really like to see that, you know, really cleaned up and, and looking better. Cause later on, you know, on page six, uh, the next to last panel is almost the same exact scene and it's much clearer. It's much more representative of you realize it's wreckage because the wreckage and the bodies floating around there look like sort of like grass in the, in the Hills, the way it's colored in that right. one page. Yeah, it really does. It, 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 if you didn't know, if you hadn't been reading this story and you just picked this issue up, I don't think that that first panel would would you know that you would realize what you're looking at you know that this is supposed to be like a like a royal or not roiling but like a uh, like a sea in motion heaving heaving, heaving. Yeah, waves. yeah 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 it does it looks like a like a rolling hillside instead um where did luke and leia get these clothes <laughs> i don't know they're pretty complex surely though surely they just got a headband not. and everything yeah she's got her uh her Matching newton john uh let's get physical outfit on and luke's got something that's very very reminiscent of the uh poncho looking outfit that he would wear in the latter half of return of the jedi so surely they did not take these clothes from the dead so where did they get these outfits all of a sudden stop calling me shirley <laughs> Also, in that very same panel, uh, you you had mentioned last time around about you know wonky dialogue, and there's one here that's just a doozy where where Leia is saying, "Oh, Kiro, how you must hate us!" And not only does that not sound like Leia, when I hear that line, I hear Ann Sachs delivering it, and it's like that just doesn't. Oh. It's really really <laughs> bad. However, at the bottom of the page, I love. The Lock Iskalon monster. He's awesome. That's a cool looking uh, uh, alien monster. He's kind of a Gil Kane monster. Yeah, you know? yeah, he. You're right. Yeah, he is. He told. Totally- well, everything on this planet has those eyes answer, too. So he's he's got yes. a little bit of uh, Fing Fang Foom in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love that. But yeah, the the big the big funny looking one color eyes and all that. That's that's yeah. Cool. It's a good-looking monster, though. Jumping way ahead to uh, page uh, 13 here. Where the hell is page? Oh, there we go. Just K3PX was cool. I didn't mention him last time around because I knew he'd be in this issue, too. But I like him. I like his design, and, and he's for, for a droid, he's, he's kind of badass. I, I like well, he's him. the evil 3PO. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Basically. He's cool. I, I think he was he was pretty neat. 3PO has a line that's that's very reminiscent of something that uh, would come later in uh, Return of the Jedi, where he says, uh, "I always knew you had it in you." Because in Jedi, he says, uh, "I never knew I had it in me." So I thought that was kind of neat, extra geeky right there. 
And then the last panel of page 14, Chewbacca attack. That's a great panel. Chewbacca in the box. It looks like someone opened a box up and he's just like, <laughs> wouldn't that scare the shit out of you? You just go to the, well, this whole thing has that whole like, <laughs> and then it's got the like, then you can almost hear the quiet, sneaky music. The sort of like, dink, dink, dink. And like the stormtrooper sitting there and hearing like and like looking both ways, and then all of a sudden his head gets twisted and twisted around 180 degrees. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the next he does he 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 turns. He just grabs a guy, just (laughs) pops his like a bottle cap. (laughs) He does too. He turns his head around backwards. That's great. The uh, last panel of the facing page with the Millennium Falcon skimming over the uh, whatever that is. What is it flying over? Is that the surface of Gamondar, I guess? Whatever. Anyway, whatever that is, that's a great panel. Yeah. Except, you know what? I just realized something. That Falcon almost looks traced (laughs) in a way. Very much so. But look at those TIE fighters. They... Well, actually, maybe they're supposed to have been already like they flew by. I was going to say they're facing the wrong way, but maybe they already like flew they're by ahead of him. Yeah. So they're heading the other way. But yeah, that's actually the back of the ties, not the front. So maybe it was like they already skimmed by. Poor, uh, what's his name? Tower. Yeah, poor guy. We never did get any explanation for his uh, Steve Austin bionic eye either. I thought that was... Well, I just wonder in the last panel of his life there, just as Vader's pointing out, what happened to his bionic eye? Oh, yeah, you're right. He's got two normal eyes. Oh, oh, that's a good catch. That's a good... Yeah, I didn't even notice somebody... The the colorist. Glennis Wine is Glennis Wine's fault. But I don't know, but he's got it. Well, I guess, yeah, she'd have to do it red. But that eyeball was bigger, and, it, you know, this is like an identical eyeball. But still, just I love the way they drew Vader fading out with the cross-hatched lines. Yeah. And, uh, and I love the, the the shot of Vader at the top of the page, superimposed over the super the Star Destroyer, surrounded by Star Destroyers. Reminds me of a panel out of, like, the Empire adaptation. Yeah. Something. Yeah, very much so. Very much. That's very Al Williamson right there. Yeah. One of my favorite panels of the whole book, page 17. Now, this is the one where, uh, I'll give you a second to get there. It's the one where Luke, Kiro, and uh, and Leia are all holding like their space shotguns, and they're all taking a yeah. shot and all speaking. The panel directly below that, that's the panel I like to call Ruby Roo! Because that dude right there looks like an anthropomorphic Scooby-Doo, like a green Scooby-Doo. Oh, you're right. See him? <laughs> he looks like... Where a, the hell did he come from? He looks like a green Scooby-Doo wearing purple overalls and boots. It's great. <laughs> and page 19 made me realize something for the first time in this story. I cannot believe I didn't notice this before. Where the hell is Luke's lightsaber? It would have come in really handy about umpteen times. Eighteen million times, you're right. So where is his lightsaber? Never explained in the whole thing. It didn't occur to me until he takes up Kuro's sword and starts taking out bad guys. And it suddenly occurred to me, uh, wait a minute, he he normally has a sword of his own. (laughs) Now, did you spot the pajama trooper in here? (laughs) 
<laughs> he's right yeah. under he's right under that page or that that one you were talking about with the they have the shotguns. Look at him. He's wearing like his he's got his breastplate on and his helmet. But I think he's just wearing a pair of gloves and a sweatshirt and his pajama bottoms underneath. I'm pretty damn sure, man. Because I've never seen a stormtrooper in pants like that before. You it know what I mean? Night, it is nighttime. Oh, yeah. He was probably napping. Yeah. Pajama trooper. <laughs> it's the Star Wars jammy trooper. He invades your dreams. <laughs> Move along. Move along. Why are all of, uh, of Luke's words connected in that one panel? This is page 19, third panel. I am not going to stand here and watch another of my friends die. <laughs> That's what it says. They're I don't know if he was... I dashes. I think, yeah, I know, but I think it's supposed to be like, I'm not going to stand here and watch another of my friends die. I think he's like <laughs> rattle, rattling it off, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Oh, I just noticed at the bottom of that page, that last panel, Luke is doing a force kick or a force jump and kicking that one guy right in the head. That's pretty yeah. cool. I didn't even notice that before. That's pretty He's cool. doing what Shatner would love. If Shatner <laughs> could have pulled that off, that's what Shatner would have done every time. Maybe a springboard and a couple of helpers Shatner could pull that one off. <laughs> Some wires, too, yeah. All right. This is one of my beefs with this issue right here. Page 22. Which page is this? Okay. Yeah. Umpteen times we're beat over the head in, in this story with the fact that Kendall is exciting all these people to uh, whatever the hell they're doing, revolt or basically all they're, all she's doing is she's getting them all riled up to try to kill Luke, Leia, and Kiro. Kiro. And the, the reason that we're given over and over again why she's able to do this so easily is that she's the wife of the son of the leader and all these people are fish people and they have like a, you know, follow the school mentality. Um, yeah, that don't work. Because if you look at a lot of the panels in this book, a lot of the people that they're fighting are not fish people. Look at that right. third panel. Stormtroop, the storm troop, well, they... Yeah, they, storm troopers. Well, they say something about like, well, you know, the stormtroopers are probably just like... But... A lot of those people are like, yeah, you, you're thinking they're people who are there, tourists. Right. Because right? that's right. what it was, yeah. a tourist stop. Yeah. And, and tourists, for the most part, aren't going to be like, yeah, get them. They're going to be like, I'm in shock from almost dying beneath the sea. Um, and so uh, I want to go in, home. In a very touristy place, I would think that the first thought is going to be, um, can I get a refund? Yeah, can <laughs> I get a refund and get the hell off of this planet? Thank you very much. Exactly. Exactly. Or go back to my dry world. Thank you. Space taxi, please. Can I leave now? I'm going to fire my travel agent and yep. fuck all you people. I'm going home. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. But Carmen, we're trying to. Uh, Screw you guys. Home. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to the last panel and thought, um, that's it. What? 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 Yeah. The hell, man. I mean, this story just kind of ends. I literally was expecting another page on on this, and it's funny. I mean, I would I would have known in the comic, but you know, I'm on my I'm on my CBR viewer, and I'm going click click. Wait, wait. Oh, it says fin on the bottom of it. I thought that just meant like fish. I like that the fin is shaped like a fin, though, like a shark. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's a good catch. I didn't catch that. You're right. It is a shark fin. Yeah, at the end of it. Um, suddenly, uh, what's his name? Moan is just kind of a dick. And he's like, oh, this is all your fault. Go away. 
uh, up to this point, he seemed like he was kind of, you know, kind of on their side and kind of their. Well, he was kind of like, I don't like the ways of you people, but you guys are okay. I kind of like you guys. I could tell you're on my side, but I don't like this subterfuge and, you know, normal, unopen. You know, I mean, their society is portrayed as being completely open and, you know, no lying or deceit or anything like that. And uh, the problem with that is, I guess there is some lying and deceit because uh, (laughs) they, you know, I mean, he was just betrayed by, you know, they've been, they're not incapable of it. If it was Star Trek, it would have been more of that. It would have been more of like Luke at the end giving a speech saying, Ah, you know, you said you were incapable of these things, yet you're just like us, you know, too. You are capable. And, you know, something about the, you know, genie being let out of the bottle or whatever. But now this is Star Wars. It's just like, no, go get off my planet. (laughs) The Imperials aren't welcome here either. Although that might be more realistic. I mean, and he's a leader now, so maybe that sort of makes him have to be a dick because he has to make the hard choice or something. But he doesn't even really say, thanks for everything, though. <laughs> now, did yeah. we ever get Kendall's motivation? I, I think I may have missed that part. Did we ever get her reason why she sold Damage out? control. She was just hoping... The, it sounds like maybe the the Empire had, you know, gotten to her ahead of time and said, look, if you... If any, you know, if any um, rebels show up here... And you turn them in, you know, it'll keep it'll keep your loved ones alive, basically. I right. think she was trying to do damage control on her people and doing the, you know, the greater good type of thing. And, uh, yeah, but she sort of, you know, even a character like that who did it for those reasons would feel awful about it. And she's, and Kendall was sort of a jerk about it, you know. She was like, get them, you know, she was a... a acting a little as if she was with the Imperials instead of being put in a tight corner by the Imperials and making a a bad compromise. So that was sort of weird, you know. She should have been a more sympathetic character, you know what I mean, instead right. of a heavy. She wasn't she wasn't really she shouldn't have been a heavy, but she was. She was, you know, and the whole thing of of getting people to attack Luke and Leia seemed almost like she was maybe doing it to cover her ass. You know, get rid of the only people who know, and Kiro more than anything, you know, that knew that she had actually betrayed, you know, that it was actually her fault that the uh, Iskalan effect had been unleashed. Right. I just noticed in that uh, third to last panel right there that everybody just kind of assumes she's dead, but nobody bothers to lift the big snake monster off her to make sure her hand is just sticking out from underneath the... The rubble in the dead. Well, maybe it's one of those Monty Python moments of like, I'm not dead yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Stiff as a board. Uh, Let's see. I mean, really, I mean, really, for, for, um, for Moan, it would be a lot easier to deal with with her being dead anyway. I mean, it would be kind of awkward if she did live. (laughs) This is very true. Awkward. A thought occurred to me when we were uh, going over this that uh, Darth Vader said he was now on his way to Iskalon. So 
we actually missed out on something that potentially could have been very, very cool, which would have been underwater Vader. That could have been interesting. How, yeah. they, could have, how they could have retooled Darth Vader to operate underwater. That would probably have probably not that, would have had probably wouldn't have had to do much. <laughs> that would be neat. I'd like to see that actually. That's pretty much all I got on this one, though. I love the uh, I love the ad here. Uh, you probably don't have this. I don't have it. This. No, it's uh, these two kids are uh, playing uh, in television, and behind them is a dude going, "Get my exciting new Kool Aid Man video game free!" <laughs> it's this is the one that I had. This is the one that they're showing here. <laughs> you had to send in. How many did it say? 125 proofs of purchase. But I must, have, I must have drank a whole lot of Kool-Aid because I did. You guys went through a lot of Kool-Aid at your house. Yep. That actually was a pretty pretty cool game. The, the one they're showing here is, uh, well, it actually doesn't say which version they're showing here, but I'm pretty sure this is the one I have. But the what I've learned since is that the, uh, the versions for Atari and the versions for Intellivision were two completely different games. So mm-hmm. Kind of neat how they created two different Kool Aid men. <laughs> well, now that I think of it, back in those days, like a packet of Kool Aid, like unsugared Kool Aid, was like what, like ten cents or like seven cents or three, something three, like that. Three yeah. cents or seven cents, something like that. Yeah, something ridiculously. Yeah, I mean, you could just buy big packages full of them for a few dollars. We drank it. We drank the hell out of some Kool Aid back then. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got on uh number seventy six. Are you ready to whip on to seventy seven? You got seventy sure. seven, eh? Yeah, I'll I'll do number seventy seven. Alright, so this is the uh <clears throat> last one for this episode. This is uh the November nineteen eighty three issue. Cover by Ron Friends, Tom Palmer, depicting this giant uh I don't know. He looks like a creature out of like Lord of the Rings or something. He's this giant white, like Hulk-like creature with like pointed ears and a beard. It's a Huck and from the last it's a Huck. Yeah, and he's uh, facing down. He's towering over Luke Skywalker, and and Luke's facing the creature down. But the creature looks like he's just going to smash Luke flat. And what's really really interesting to note about this cover is that all right. Return of the Jedi, the movie, by this point, had been out. And it had been out at least a couple of months. However, we are still in a pre-Return of the Jedi period as far as the storytelling. However, on this cover, Luke is very clearly holding a green lightsaber. So, just just kind of interesting how they're uh, incorporating some elements of the movie to come you know, into, uh, into the comics. Even though we haven't quite gotten to that that period yet in the storytelling anyway well and i believe there's some of that going on in this story here too yeah. a little bit just yeah. a little bit just a little so we uh we got all the same people as before joe duffy ron friends uh tom palmer joe rosin glennis ween uh louise jones jim shooter story is entitled how the hell do you pronounce this word is it sean toos of the stars i believe so this this is the first time I ever saw this word and had no idea what the hell it meant as a kid. I'm still not exactly one hundred percent sure. I guess it's just it's uh, a feminine form of female song. version of singer. It's yeah. French, and it means yeah, it's a female singer. I'm assuming my pronunciation is somewhat close. 
Sean Hill. Sean Hill. Uh, so anyway, in this in one, Russian, uh, it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> so in this one, uh, we got Lando, Luke, Leia, Chewie, C three PO, and R two D two return to Arbra and report on their failure to find Vanis on Iskalon. General Riken, at least, I think it's safe to assume that this is General Riken. He it is never like identified by name, but uh, I think it has been retconned that this is pretty much General Riken. Anyway, General Riken thanks the team for trying their best, but tells them that he has new information on the search. Uh, although both Yom Argo and Tavenis had recovered information on the Empire's new secret weapon, another rebel had apparently recovered the same information. However, the information suggests that this rebel was none other than Han Solo. Leia steps up to tell the general that it couldn't possibly have been Solo since he has been frozen in carbonite uh, since well before Tavenis' disappearance. However, the general claims that the Imperials are the one who let the information slip so maybe they know something more than than the rebels do at this point. So the general proposes that the group splits into two teams, one to track Han Solo and this mysterious story, and the other to follow up on the new information about Tay Vanis. So Luke, Chewie, and the two droids decide to follow the trail for Solo, but allow Luke and Leia to use the Millennium Falcon to go to Cabray Station in order to follow a lead about Vanis. In order to infiltrate the uh, diplomatic summit there, Pliff the Hujib goes with them to pose as uh, a diplomat for the planet Arbra, which was a bit of a sticking point for me, is that that yeah, is that's where the shag's going, yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, no, I like that, that part of it, except for the fact that Arbra's kind of where the secret rebel base is, so why wouldn't you say you're from the planet, you know whatever make up some name or you know yeah. some other planet well exactly but, just like the millennium falcon in the last episode. yeah precisely because if they happen to get found out in this story you know wouldn't that potentially that would, lead them right back to where everybody else is uh, it was just kind of a weird thing yeah I, well they they've got yeah they're yeah they've got concentrated you know important rebels there so yeah they don't want to get right up. sure uh, so anyway, once at the summit, Luke and Leia split up and search for the message that has been left behind for them on the station by Vanis. Luke searches the suites with Pliff while Leia sneaks around the kitchen and the backstage areas. Luke eventually finds the message in one of the rooms. However, as the rebels are set to leave, they overhear a conspiracy to poison the local Imperial governor. Unfortunately, at the same time, Leia is mistaken for Shirley, the so-called Chantreuse of the Stars, a popular singer, and is forced on stage uh, to perform for the governor and the assembled delegates. Luke tries to get near the governor to foil the assassination plot, but is sidetracked by a group of Zeltrons who are inexplicably attracted to him. As the poison soup is placed in front of the governor, Luke tries uh, to rush to the rescue, but during his scramble, one of the lesbian delegates matures into a huck, terrorizing the banquet hall. In the commotion that follows, Luke is able to knock the soup away from the governor. However, as the stormtroopers on the station try to subdue the beast, they find that their blasters are powerless due to a precaution that Luke took earlier of having the hujibs drain their blasters of all energy. As the huck is about to smash Luke, Pliff implores Leia to continue her song. 
Leia reluctantly begins to sing again, and the Huck's attention is immediately drawn to her. Cover your ears, everyone! As she sings, the monster plops down at Leia's feet and just kind of moons over her there. Luke, uh, likewise, is burdened with unwanted admirers and sits wondering just what's going to happen when Leia finishes her song, and he hopes that she knows a lot of verses to it. And uh, that's kind of the end of this uh, lighthearted adventure. And Don't then, buy it. Saw the Christmas special. Don't buy it. <laughs> At the uh, Know the truth. Wouldn't happen like that. <laughs> At the very end of this one, we've got a, a blurb that says, Next, Lando Calrissian and Chewbacca the Wookiee starring in the big con and i just have to issue a spoiler alert folks that's not the story we are going to get in the next issue but that's for next episode so what do you got on this one yeah i agree with you leia singing i don't think that could uh soothe the. you know how that turns out and yeah that didn't soothe anything (laughs) (laughs) nothing I, uh, all right, this is this is uh, once again very nicely drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna call call out the the um, the racism. Huh? Shir- Shirley's manager. They gave him a Jewish name. His name's Morty. <laughs> now listen up, Morty. Look at the schnoz on that guy. Uh oh, hang on, I'm I'm flipping it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're Look right. Look at Morty's schnoz. Ah. Right? Space, but they have, you know, even in space managers are Jewish guys named Morty <laughs> who just happen to have a big hook nose. Come on. Come on, Star Wars. <laughs> I thought you were better than that. And, and he's not wearing pants either. Well, you know, that's a Jewish tradition. Right? <laughs> is that the Jews? I can't remember which. Religion. I just noticed that the guy standing to his uh, right, right there in the doorway, looks like uh, uh, Paul. What's his name from the Dave Letterman show? Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yeah, doesn't <laughs> he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is beautifully drawn. Tons of really cool aliens and neat little corridors behind that you really get a feel of like when they go behind the scenes into the kitchen and the corridors behind the but at the, it, you know between Morty Leia singing and what the, the okay I'm just going to say what really pisses me off about this it's Luke yes goddamn Luke God damn idiot. I okay, maybe he still thinks he might be getting a little play with his sister here at some point. But and you know, I I, I can understand the last you know, he met the last Celtron and that was one woman and she was just like, Hey, you know, and he didn't quite care for her. But for Christ's sakes, they're traveling in packs here. <laughs> they're gorgeous. They're all gorgeous and they're like, Hi. They're, they're all just basically saying, hi, come have sex with all of us yes. right now, right yes. now. That last and, panel of the book, he's got six gorgeous Zeltron women's hanging all over him. And one of them, I mean, they, I mean, make no mistake about it. One of them at one point in this issue plainly says, come up to my room with me. Come to my suite and yes. please me. And 
you know, or we'll come and hang and watch the show with you, but you have to promise to please us afterwards. Is right. Say it. Make yep. us happy. Yep. You know, we know what's going on. All right. All right. I understand when they're chasing him and, and like there's something going on because Pliff's like, oh, it's not just, you know, there's something about you that they really like because it's not just a natural Zeltron thing. There's something, you know, Pliff mentioned something like that because he can read minds. And I can understand during the adventure, Luke being like, I don't no time for fucky fucky right now. I'll go to adventure. I have important, but afterwards, oh, hello, you know. But no, afterwards, he's sitting there with six women hanging on him with just this look on his puss of just like, oh, God, you know. No, Luke. Luke, no. Go back to their suite. And because they, they had the whole scene with Leia where she was getting a little pissy about, you know, all the, the Zeltron girls like Leia, but then she runs into a Zeltron guy and she's like, oh my, you know? And she, you know. So if Luke, you know, Luke went off with six girls, Leia could have stewed for 10 minutes and then got and got herself, you know, made airtight by a bunch of Zeltron guys. And <laughs> no problem, you know. <laughs> But it doesn't happen. And Just Luke when did, I think you can't hit a lower low, you manage to do a Should I keep digging? I don't know. You know, I mean, come on. At this point, we know Luke's a virgin. How old is he? He's got to be 20, 21 by now, you uh, know? Uh, I'm trying to think. The beginning of The Empire Strikes Back, I'm pretty sure. The novelization, I mean. I'm pretty sure it says. The novelization, he's 20. Oh, really? In the first in, movie, he was first 19 movie, to 20. Yeah, right. by this point, he's like 23, I'm pretty sure. Because I'm pretty sure there's like three yeah, years. he's got to be ready to explode Jedi training or not. <laughs> you know? I don't know if Yoda taught him, you know, well, I don't know. He's probably learned a few tricks with some of the, you know, suction ducts for the vap- vaporizer vaporator i i am strongly of the opinion that at some point between star wars and the empire strikes back he and leia got it on i'm i'm convinced of this i mean come on look at all the time that they were alone together on uh on mimbin he got some i'm telling you well anyway <laughs> What is when you have an adventure like that and it's all over and you've gotten what you needed to get out of the adventure, what do you do? Let's ask James Bond. Oh, yeah, you have sex with all the ladies that want to have sex with you at the end of the story. That's what you do. And he's just sitting there like, oh, how am I going to get out of here? Well, you get in your spaceship and fly off six hours from now. What the hell? You just go back and tell General Riken, yeah, it took us a little longer than we thought. I think that there's there's uh, very likely some some little blonde haired, you know, very suntanned looking little kids running around the, the the Star Wars universe, you know, about about you know nine to ten months after this this issue. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You you think he doesn't look like he's gonna follow through with it? I mean, and if he is, well, he's yeah, you're right. He. Yeah. He's not putting enough enthusiasm in it. I don't care, man. If you're, I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the my yeah, I know it's just a fake story, but 
I like this one though. I you know it, it's yeah. it's not my favorite issue because you know I'm I'm never all that crazy about the the really jokey ones, but I, this one it works pretty well. I, I like Leia's uncomfortable moment of of having to kind of stay in character and and go on stage and sing and all that. You know, otherwise their cover would be blown. I, I get a kick out of that. Well, it, but like, it, it is silly though. I like how Morty just more. And okay, and when he, Morty first walks in, look at the way he's got, he's doing the old like rubbing the hands together too, the like, <laughs> <laughs> but I like how Morty like doesn't know that she, just cause she's got the wig on and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. To aliens, all humans probably look humans alike, look you alike, know? Yeah. So it was just like, okay, the, once the wig was on, yeah. And oh my God, but Luke, come on. I mean, and with all those Zeltrons around, it's Princess Leia that makes the Hulk Huck go into puberty. <laughs> this is like probably the most like sexual Star Wars thing, legitimate Star Wars ever put out to this point. I'm thinking so too. I'm serious. This one page, I, damn it, I wish that these it's, pages were numbered. But it's the one right across the one where you were talking about where Morty walks in on on Leia as she's putting the wig on. Right across from that page. Center panel of the of the opposite page has the three Zeltron women hanging all over Luke, and one is going, "You promise?" Right after the show, another one is going, "I can't wait," and then the one that's leaning on Luke's back says, "I really can't wait. Let's let's go back to my room now." So there's yeah. not a lot of mystery about what these girls want from Luke Skywalker. Not and a lot of mystery. a little bit from each other too. God damn it, Luke. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Get with the program. <laughs> All right, let's see. But yeah, it deals with one. issues of puberty and strong racial undertones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You see, what I think succeeded about it is just the look of it. Mm-hmm. You know the the general. It 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 really looked like what it was supposed to be. I I really bought into it. And I had a feeling of whether I could draw a map of how it was laid out. There, it had a feeling of a real space, you know, of the ballroom with people gathered around tables and watching a show, and then behind the scenes with the kitchen and the dressing rooms. And but they all had a little bit of imperial technology in in it, but it was all sort of crammed together and spotty. It was I I I really liked that. But Jesus Christ, Luke! Good Lord, he—the he, the only time he pays any attention is when he has to do does the, and it's the opposite of most movies. Is the guy will often get to make out with the girl because it's like quick, pretend we're making out, and that's what Luke sort of does with them. He says, "Okay, come on, girls," and like to get by the stormtroopers. I like sort of where Luke also teams up with a stormtrooper at the end, and they're kind of buddies. That you know? was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I like that a lot. And he even comments on it himself, going, "You know, whoever thought that the Empire would be protecting me?" Yeah, that was neat. And then the guy just kind of at the end of all of it, I think the stormtrooper doesn't he just sort of pass out or something at the end? He's just like, "Ugh, <laughs> mother." <laughs> yeah. 
like a meteor cutting across a starless night. <laughs> he brightens up my darkest hour. Come on, my ass. <laughs> he's gentle and he's true. All Never right. tries to force me. Oh, no. <laughs> Going all the way back to the beginning. What do you think of the of the opening splash page? Because I have to admit, as much as I like this issue and I like the art in this issue, I don't much care for the opening splash. Well, you see, it underlines the sexual nature of the entire comic book. <laughs> Here you have C-3PO representing the masculine but also the mechanical, being surrounded by the feminine and fluffy and therefore sexual elements as they envelop him and they scare him. He thinks they're going to absorb all his energy, but then he's told, no, 3PO, they love you. What is yeah, up so with the, uh, on the second page there, first panel, what is up with the proto snow speeders there? Those are, those are not proper snow speeders. Those are like the early, like, Ralph McQuarrie style. Well, yeah, I think they were, um, yeah, maybe it's just, um, yeah, so the, uh, I, I, the, I always got the idea that there was, for every different terrain, there was a different sort of version of the same thing, you know, and you yeah. had, and, and maybe they might have used some of those Ralph McQuarrie just to have a different, you know, this is a model X13, you know. Yeah, but we, didn't we better. see them using actual snow speeders earlier on Arbra? Well, you can always write it off to their broke and they got to use whatever <laughs> they got, you know. In the area where they're walking, that's where these two models ha just happen to be sitting, man. <laughs> There's plenty of real snow speeders. You just can't see them. They're off screen. You know what just occurred to me is on page three right here, that middle panel, that looks very, the, the conference area they're sitting around looks very much like the, the conference mm -hmm. area that we'll see in Return of the Jedi where, where uh, Admiral Akbar. Well, and, I really uh, think General they must have had, they must have, because look at the way like, Lando sitting there, right, and stuff. The way that they're seated around it, I think they got some publicity pictures, oh, yeah, and and drew them out of there because I mean, just the whole body language and everything—it's right out of Jedi, you know. Well, what occurred to me though is I, I realized that in in '83 that maybe they didn't have, you know, the the a, a means to do it and really pull it off well. Although I think maybe Henson could have done it. But when they redid the the Star Wars movies, you know, for the special editions and all that, would it have killed them to throw a hoojib in there somewhere? Uh -huh. I would have loved that. Yeah, that would have been awesome, man. Because in this one, the hoojibs are like all over the freaking place. You know, yeah. people have them on their shoulders and everything. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? I'd have a hoojib on my shoulder. I think that's cool. I'd have one down in my pockets. and. <laughs> all right, now. <laughs> let's see page oh back to the, the the other page there page two i like the page where uh lando he's talking about the iscalonians and you know the the end of their mission and everything and he says uh they didn't want us back there and i'm like you think you caused their whole freaking planet to get blown up you think you, you caught that did you yeah <laughs> 
That's a great. Yeah, I uh, thought I was. I was wondering if I was crazy, but you picked up on that too. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think maybe we should go back there for a while, and maybe we should bring him like a cake or something if we come back. <laughs> the uh, faces are really good in that panel, though. That really does look yeah. like Billy D. Williams and uh, and Princess Leia looks really good right there too. I like that. And then in the last panel. Leia's talking to the general, and she says, we followed the trail for weeks, but it turned into a dead end on Iskala. No, it didn't. That's one of the things that really irritated me with the way that story just kind of ends. They found the droid, so it wasn't a dead end at all. It's just they kind of got stymied in the whole thing, you know? But it wasn't a dead end. It actually led directly to where it was supposed to lead them, right to that droid. So, yeah, it's... There's points in some of these stories where it's like you're you're not supposed to think, you know, it's like they don't yeah, yeah, intend you're that you're going to gonna think about it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just drop it and go on to the next adventure, you know, just kind of forget the whole thing. That uh, fourth panel, I like the, or fourth page rather, I like that last panel of, uh, of Luke and Leia sitting there side by side looking at the hologram of Han. That's a good piece of art, right? You see, I think the, like, the top panel cracks me up. It's like, it's a picture of Han Solo and and like the picture they have in their files of Han Solo is like him going woohoo leaping into action and <laughs> right it's like Han Solo and everybody's like Han rawr, you know and he's like Ta-da! that's just kind of cheesy but I like where Chewie and Lando are confabbing there like whispering I like the second one the second panel of them like whispering back and forth to each other saying Hey, we know it's not Han who got that information, but if they if this is gonna light a little fire under their ass about searching for Han, then right. all the better. Let's not like rock the boat about it. But I love like the way Chewie and I think that's maybe like drawn from Empire when he was putting three PO back together. But I like the way Chewie's just sort of he's like looking nonchalant. He's like Right. Dum de dum de dum. I'm just picking a flea off my arm and <laughs> right. and talking to my friend Lando and and petting this cute little hoojib. Except in the panel before it, Chewie's making the I say we let him go. Right. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's talking out one side of his mouth, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. My next note is way ahead on page 18. So if you've got anything in between, let's see. We'll just kind of flip through here. Well, that next page, suddenly General Riken's aged about 20 years in that one panel. Mm-hmm. He looks he looks more like Aunt May than he looks like General Riken right there. <laughs> let's see what else we got. I do like the uh, the, the conference thing there. Whoa, I just realized, all right, on that one splash panel where you first see the conference, there's that table that's directly over the uh, the Zeltron woman's shoulder right there. Are those two dudes sitting in each other's laps? Well, it's hard to say, say with it. Well, like I said, like, like before, everything's sort of sketched out in the yeah. background. So... There's actually people look like they could possibly be humping, but yeah, they, there's they look some at serious closer, debauchery. The legs are together, but it's the, yeah. there's people passed out, and uh, yeah, I mean, conceivably that could be somebody. It looks like it looks like it could be a dude sitting on someone like a lady's lap with an elaborate hairpiece, or that could be the back of a chair, 
or it could just be a creature with two heads and shoulders <laughs> you know you can't really tell it looks so you know it's 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 hard to tell it's just i think that that's a general um thing that they do like like they used to do in old cecil b demille movies where they'd put a million you, you know things and the general shape of it it looks a lot dirtier <laughs> Right, it, you know, it, it looks like a lot more. De- when you look at, you know, like it looks like there's one where a guy is like humping a girl, but when you look at it closer, she's got her legs together and they're off to the side, and he's sort of like maybe scooping her up off the ground or something. But at first glance, you know, when you look at it as a whole, you're looking over her shoulder and you can see that there's some drinking and partying going on here. Yeah, and uh, it, you know. It, it looks like Zeltrons are like the race of the, for for events like this. It's like, oh yeah, we're carting in seventy five Zeltrons for this one. You know, <laughs> bring your space condoms, and there'll be plenty of space liquor, and whatever happens stays here. <laughs> there are some good looking aliens in this, though. I like that. Yes. It's it's uh, they're all different. I love it. They had fun with it. There's there's some that are copied from the movies, or, but they made sure to do every different size and shape. And and there's a lot of aliens from other issues of the comic too. So you right. got the, I can't remember the name of the the winged demon looking hissy creature. Stenaxians or something. The, like the Stenaxians. But then right under, like, the, the, there's a Stenaxian standing there, but right, right under it, there's these guys with three eyes that <laughs> look sort of like a Basil Wolverton, you know, like, right. from, you know, a Mad Magazine or something like that underneath it. And I love how everybody's gossiping and you pick up little bits of gossip about all a, a bunch of planets that you've heard of. No page number, but... It's that pa- it's on the page before with the ba- Basil Wolverton sort of looking guys when they're walking in the. I think it's right after the splash page. Yeah, it's after you, it's two pages yeah. after the splash page. There's a uh, like a female Spock with like ridiculously like battier ears, but it's like Spock with you know three times larger ears, female. <laughs> but uh. Generally, I thought that the art was really strong on this, but I'll just never forgive Luke for not doing what <laughs> I should have done. Now, I mean, maybe he did. It's, you know, I mean, we'll have to be fair, but I don't think he did. Well, something occurred to me is as you flip uh, to page... Uh I've got it numbered here as page eight. It's after uh, the the guy comes out on stage and introduces, you know, the the act of the evening and says, the Chanteuse of the Stars, and you turn the page. That shot of Leia right there, I mean, take away that that feather uh, thing that she's got wrapped around her and take away the wig. That's totally the Slave Leia outfit. The Slave Leia outfit, yeah. I mean, the the bikini part of it is the total, the same sort of metal piece with the hangy. Mm Mm-hmm deal on it you're you're totally right mm-hmm it never occurred to me before but it is i mean it may be colored differently but it's pretty much the slave layout outfit so I, I i can see that sending uh sending one of the lesbians into a, a, a into a, puberty into puberty absolutely 
Uh, what else have I got on this? I thought Luke looked especially good in this issue. I, I thought he looked a lot more like uh, like Mark Hamill than than in some of the other issues. And the troopers looked particularly good in this issue too. But I really do like that part where uh, Luke is running away from the from the Huck and actually runs to the stormtroopers. And the stormtroopers are going, "Get behind us!" And they actually protect him. That that was yeah. cool. That's definitely one of the high points of the whole issue. Well, that the, was the body cool. language they captured the clumsy body language of the stormtroopers to good effect in this in this one. You know, mm-hmm. since it's a kind of kind of comedic issue to start out with. But that's something that they don't often get right is the way that like a guy has to move in a stormtrooper suit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, by this time they'd had two movies to to go on, and they just had a really good. F- it's the same with Chewie, you know. I think maybe as like more time had gone by and you'd see the characters moving rather than doing a lot of work off of just still pictures and never seeing the movies. I think that had to do a lot with the improvement in the art here you mm-hmm. know now you now we're dealing with artists who are, can sort of see it see how it would look in the film style rather than just in the technical visual style of it too right and they're capturing that for sure in the although you know we've never it, it's it's funny cuz they sort of had to with the Star Wars comics having a comedic issue with something you know, there hasn't been, hadn't been. Well, there, there hasn't been a Star Wars movie that's been comedic. Now that we've got Clone Wars, there's been episodes of Clone Wars that have been kind of silly and goofy and lighter tone. Right. But you know, I mean, they had to really sort of blaze their own trail with how would you do a comedy Star Wars story? You know, mm-hmm. and they do it very well, and it still feels like a Star Wars story. You know. You, you mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, some, you know, when I was talking about the lightsaber kind of uh, uh, as a precursor to oh. something in, in Jedi, what, what was the thing that you had that you had kind of teased? Well, they were talking about, you know, with uh, Tay Vanis that they were start that, you know, there's starting to get some information about the Empire's new secret weapon. Right. Mm-hmm. The nature of it and stuff like that. So... I figured that was all, you know, leading into into the new, the second Death Star, basically. Right. Yeah, that's that's what that what, what lends a, a bit more weight to to my, you know, spotty memory that that I'm pretty sure they get to uh, be revealed as the as the Bothan spies, but we'll. We will definitely find that out next time around. There were there were a few ads in here I wanted to touch on real quick. The uh, center, you know, you have the actual paper one of this. Yes, right? I do. Center spread in this one, the Popeye video game. Now this mm-hmm. is for the home version, which kind of sucked, but the arcade was, version of this, I loved that game. That game and that game had really good was really good graphic wise ahead of its time. You know, it, it had a very cartoony look that. Yeah, we had to. I remember the Popeye game was there was a Popeye game at that bowling alley that your I was dad just, yeah, family I was just would go say, to. Yeah, that bowling alley in Watertown, exactly. Yeah, I, they had that in Donkey Kong Junior. That was where I saw both yeah. of those games, and they were like both like Donkey Kong Junior was a step up graphic wise from Donkey Kong, and Popeye was sort of a step up from both of them. I just remember the little 
the little hearts that floated around looked really neat in 3D. Yeah. You know, they had a really neat look to them. I and thought all the, the sounds, while was yeah, sounds and graphic were graphics were good in that because I thought the music was done very well. It, it was. It was a game that was ahead of its time. And uh, you know what's funny about that is I don't remember being particularly good at that game. I mean, I don't know if I sucked at it outright, but I, I, I definitely couldn't get very far into it. But I... I spent a lot of money trying to learn, man. I mean, typically with me, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've got no stick to it with, with video games that I'm not any good at. Well, you know, especially I, in those days when it cost you a quarter to play yeah, such exactly. video game. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there were so many games that, you know, I'd give them a fair shake, and if I sucked at it, I'd be like, well, piss on it, and I'd go on to That's something else. That, but yeah. Popeye, I just kept playing it, even though I wasn't very good at it. I just kept pumping quarters into it, because it was a great game. I was like that with Joust. I wanted yeah. to be good at Joust, but I was never good at it. But I would keep trying because Joust was another one that had neat graphics, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, if I remember Popeye right, I remember the first board of it was really easy. And then after that, all the boards were really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, you just didn't last long on them. So it was one of those ones that suckered you in. To be like, oh, okay, I got through that first board, and then you're dead, you know? Right. And, and uh, yeah, I don't remember being very good at Popeye at all, but I love to watch people play it. And wasn't there a kangaroo in it, too, at some point? Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, there was. Like and a the punching, boxing kangaroo? Yeah. Well, the worst part of it was, uh, was the sea hag would come out and throw stuff uh -huh. at you. So at the same time you were trying to dodge Bluto coming wanting to whoop your ass, you had the Sea Hag chucking stuff at you. And that's where, usually in the later boards, that's where I would always get killed, is that you couldn't face both directions at the same time. So while you're trying to take out one threat, the other threat would come at you from behind, and you just couldn't turn fast enough right. to be able to do them both, you know? And that's where I would always end up getting killed. But I still liked it, though. I still, you know, still consider it a really good classic game. Now, again, on the inside, this is the one that shows, on the inside back cover, you've got the Kool-Aid Man video game, mm -hmm. and this is the one that shows how completely different the two versions were, because the one, you know, the Atari one is the one that, that I had, where it shows the thirsty sucking down the, the pool full of lemonade, or, uh, of Kool-Aid, yeah. and then the other one looks more like... Uh, what was that? You're running game through a that, house or a factory. Yeah, or ele elevator or something like that. What was the name of that game? Lock and Chase. Lock and Chase. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's totally what it looks like. <laughs> but yeah, what about the back cover, though? That's where we're getting into the. Yeah. Well, I noticed there was a bunch of Return of the Jedi ads in here because there, uh, there was one for uh, models. And then this one on the back, I really like this painted, uh, at least I think that's a painted picture of, uh, you got a rebel pilot attacking the unfinished second Death Star while these TIE Interceptors are attacking. And I love the TIE Interceptor. That's, that's one of my favorite Star Wars ships. But I, to my memory, I don't think I ever played this game. Did you play this game, Return of the Jedi? Yes. Was it a any good? A couple times, and it wasn't. It was... It was neat for the time, looking-wise, mm -hmm. in a way, because as you can see in there, you had the sort of, like, 
flying towards the Death Star over the surface weirdness, which wasn't really accurate. Mm-hmm. I just remember it wasn't it wasn't very good, and and it wasn't. It made it appear as if you were flying in that sort of 3D environment with stuff coming at you. Right. Which is sort of what you wanted in a Star Wars game. But it wasn't. It was, I think, see how the bottom is? I think it was kind of a side-scroller. And then you would defeat stuff and then you would sort of see that the Death Star advance towards you. I don't know. After after we're done, I'll have to go to YouTube and look up. Uh, there's got to be video of somebody playing it or playing an emulator of it or something. If I remember properly, I, like I say, I don't, I don't think I ever played it, but I think it was sort of like like Star Wars meets Yar's Revenge type of thing. If I remember, yeah. Right. But the graphics. I mean, by this point, this is 1983. I mean, granted, they didn't have you know anything approaching modern graphics, but they were better than this by this point. And this, I think one of the reasons I was never interested in this game is it just didn't feel like it had kept pace with video game technology. You know, it just, it felt too much like a, like an older Atari game. I mean, the, the I graphics... Don't, I don't think till the, like, N64 did Star Wars truly start to become a viable thing where I wanted to play Star Wars games. I had fun with some of the, you know, NES, Star Wars, Empire jedi games right but not to the it wasn't till like the was it the n64 that they the first uh rogue squadron came yeah. out on yeah it wasn't till rogue squadron came out till i was that that i was like convinced that a star wars video game could be awesome but yeah. still for some reason for star wars being the sort of like you know platinum level of uh franchise it's very hit and miss with the video games and i don't understand it you'd think you sh- you would think that every star trek and star wars video game would be state of the art and it's ne- not so it's always no. hit and miss there's been a lot of really good ones but there's been a lot of really horrible ones too yeah, I mean, to this day, you know, with with Star Trek, except for the the strategic operations simulator, you know, that was both a great arcade and home video game. I still don't think there's ever been a really good Star Trek game that's captured it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. weird, and you'd think that you'd think that that those would be the first things that would get it because the people who make video games and stuff are you know, living and breathing Star Wars and Star... I mean, they're nerd... That's... There's just no doubt about it. So, I don't... I don't get it. (laughs) I mean, I get it, especially in 1983, because the technology was not up to it. But now it is. Right. And, you know, I mean, I've got to play The Force Unleashed on the Xbox 360 sometime to, uh... To really, uh... Oh, that was something Which else. I, would, uh, I hear that one was really good. That was something else I should have thrown out at the beginning of the show. I, I haven't had a chance to to play it yet, but I finally, finally scored myself a copy of uh, Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast for the Xbox. For, oh, uh, I think I paid four bucks for it. 
I've been wanting that game for the because I, I am mean, I've played yeah. it several times before, but I always played it on PC. But I like that game a lot, and I always wanted a copy for the Xbox, and so I'll be able to play that. That now you talk about a good Star Wars game. That was a good Star Wars game. I liked that one a hell of a lot because that was the. first I think game I have played that, that on the PC. I think actually I played a version of it that you sent me. Probably and we're like you have to play this. Yeah, that's a great game. Yeah, I want to, because not long ago my boys were playing the uh, the sequel to that, which was the the Jedi Academy one. Uh huh. And I was watching them play it, thinking, man, I really want to play that, you know, again. And then I got to thinking, well, before I play that, I want to go back and play what I consider to be the first one. And now, granted, it's Jedi Knight two, so it's not the first one, but it was the first one I really got into because. But yeah, know, that must have been on an operating system from years ago. Well, you know the 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 Jedi Outcast one is is still a fairly you know it's a fairly modern Recent, game. So the gra- yeah. yeah. Whereas the one before it, you know, they were like the they were like PlayStation One equivalent. So it's hard to go back to those kind of games because the graphics just weren't quite there yet, you know. Mm-hmm. But like uh, Jedi Outcast, that's like a perfect you know, the perfect bridge where it's recent enough to where the graphics don't look terribly dated and it's still very playable. You know, it's got the stereo sound and, you know, the John Williams soundtrack and all that. And then I got to thinking that the one after that, the Jedi Academy one that the boys were playing, one of the reasons I really want to go back and play that is I don't think I ever played the finished version. I beta tested on the first, uh, you know, when they were uh, working on that game, I got a beta test version of it. And played that, and it was pretty much the finished game. But there were some levels where things were wonky because I remember, like the the tauntaun didn't run. So when you were moving the tauntaun around, it was just a static tauntaun, you know. <laughs> so it was really bizarre, and it was things like that. While I was playing, you know, you had to keep reminding yourself, yeah, you know, beta, beta, you know, it's not finished yet. So I always wanted to go back and and play the finished game, and I don't think I ever did. So one of these days when I've Got you've five got minutes time. spare time, yeah. and I'm not podcasting or something or reading something for a podcast. I'll actually play a damn video game. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, all this talk about uh, Return of the Jedi, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for this time. But I wanted to throw out uh, a little tease for the future of uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday. So next episode, we will be covering the last, the last three pre-Return of the Jedi issues and quite possibly the single worst issue of Marvel Star Wars ever. I won't say definitely because we may find one later on that we like even less but uh... Even worse than the banker world? Yeah, yeah. um, I... Hmm... Yeah, this, don't this tell one, me anymore. I'm intrigued. Yeah, this one's going to be a lot of fun to to review and and reread and tear apart. I mean, and hell, you know, maybe maybe we'll find that uh, it's well, not ahead so of time. Bad don't tell me which it. one of the three it is. Oh, okay. No, I won't then. I, I, I will. We'll leave it a we'll leave it a mystery and see if uh, see if you agree. But yeah, just going totally by memory and and by you know fan poll type of things. Yeah, this is pretty much. What of the issues we'll be doing next time is it's considered to be pretty much the the stinker issue of of the series. Wow. So that, that should be a lot of fun. And it's then, unexpected in the, in this sort of they yeah, put out such a role. Exactly, exactly. And it, and it is you know it's just the it's just the one off story. So you know then we'll be back to you know what's what's mostly been you know really good stories and and really exciting stuff. 
Then, this is what I'm really, really excited for. Then in October, join us for Return of the Jedi Month. All month long in October, we'll be reviewing the comics, the movie, the soundtrack, video games, and every other friggin' thing. Anything we can do to Return of the Jedi, including a special Two True Freaks commentary episode for Return of the Jedi. So I think that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I, I imagine you'll be seeing a lot of Luke Jacanetti because I know that's his favorite <laughs> of the end. He'll he'll be he's going to be on that like a hobo on a ham sandwich. Yep. So we'll, yeah, we'll probably have guests galore. Yep. Absolutely. I know we'll definitely be getting uh, Luke, and uh, and I know that uh, Michael Bailey has sworn to disavow us if uh, if, uh, if we forget to include him in, in, as part of Return of the Jedi Month. So definitely those two folks, and if there's anybody else out there that wants to join us for that, you know, definitely uh, drop us a line, let us know, because we're all about... Uh, you know, having you on and uh, and sharing our love of uh, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and all that sort of thing. So I, I, I'm looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. So anyway, next time around, the end of an era, the end of the uh, the pre-Return of the Jedi era, and then in October, Return of the Jedi month. So be here. Aloha. In October, return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure, I am Luke Skywalker. I have a really bad feeling about this. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must confront Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present The time for our attack has come The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition well, How could they be jamming us if they don't know if we're coming? It's a trap! Your fleet is lost and your friends will not survive Don't move! I love you I know There is no escape <laughs> Return of the Jedi with newly enhanced visual effects, DHX and digital sound, and a few new surprises. Live the magic, experience the power, and feel the force like never before. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So be it. Jedi. In October. The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Return of the Jedi. At two truefreaks.lipson.com. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. 
Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And they come to the realization that they, as wanted fugitives, are likely the cause of this attack that has killed so many of these poor little fish guys. Uh, I just lost my place. Hang on just a second. (laughs) Scrub it. Alright, so I take it you need to like take a piss or get a drink? No, no, I'm just trying... My computer's kind of slow, so I just was thinking preemptively, and rather than have a two-hour file, I'd rather have an hour and a half file. I don't think we talked. I had it. I had it running beforehand, so we probably talked for an hour there. I was just trying to keep the file size lower. I'm thinking more and more often, um, with the regular shows, that some of our preamble talk should just be like. You know, hey, how you doing? What are you up to? Kind of thing. And maybe that will encourage more people to listen to all the shows if the be- at least the beginning segment is not entirely focused on whatever the topic s- is. The topic, yeah. Because we, believe it or not, we've actually gotten that complaint a lot lately that some people are telling me that the reason they don't listen to every show or some people don't listen at all is that they're not into like any one of the subjects that were, you know, any any one of the right. subjects that were in, it's kind of like really. So they're listening to like the specials and stuff when they when they hit something that that they actually you know are into, which I you know I, I can appreciate that. Well, that sounds like the way I <laughs> listen to podcasts. Listen to other podcasts, yeah, exactly. Start record one, two, three. I love doing that. You want me to bring us back in? I'll bring us back and hand it off to you since you're doing the synopsis on this one. Alright, that works. And I've got all kinds of comments on the the cover. Just the cover alone inspires a lot of comments on this one. Alright, here we go. We're inexplicably... Inexplicably... There's no one here. All right.